Hey, buddy. Hello. Did How you have a, a good, hey, here's a holiday we're going to make out of nowhere just so we can make some money and start selling things like in January for Valentine's Day, commercial holiday day yesterday, February 14th? No, actually, in Finland, uh, luckily, the Valentine's Day is more of a Friends Day. It's even called like Friends Day, not like Valentine's okay. Day. Okay. So we kind of have this, hey, hang out with your friends thing. Obviously, some people try to make it, you know, the commercial type. But, you know, I'm I'm not the one to, you know, uh, bow down to commercialized stuff. Was, so. uh, yeah. You know, uh, but I, that, I went, at the same time, did you buy your girlfriend some Valentine's Day gifts yesterday? No, I did. I, I was supposed to buy her flowers, but then I didn't have time to go to the store. So I didn't. So you but, was yeah. going to partake in the nonsense, but you just lost track of time. That's what you're trying to say. No, I mean, flowers are kind of, you know, it's not a biggie, you know. Oh, yeah, but just happens to be I on think, February 14th. I got you. Yeah, 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 but you know, why not? Like, you're going to buy your girlfriend flowers sometime. So why not do it on the February 14th? So you kind of, you know, uh, two birds. Kill two one. birds, one stone. Yeah. There you go. Epic. I'm sure there's lots of guys out there that did that. Anyway, guys, enough about Valentine's Day. That's That stuff's over. It's time to talk RC car racing. And uh, we got a lot to talk about because we had an epic race this past weekend. So with that said, let's hit that intro. And don't worry, if you're a patron or YouTube member, you will be up in the uh, scrolling credits at the end. We're just getting all that fixed. Thank you. Hit that intro. Nitro is the glory. But e-buggy pays the bills. Welcome to the No Name RC Podcast. Get ready for some serious bench racing. But be warned, we speak our minds, express our thoughts, and sometimes things can get a little rowdy. Hate, and he just was influenced by the hate coming from the left, the hate coming from the right. And let's get back to more club racing and less of this grabbing it's hard it's not to be sense. arrogant when you're always right. You know? See what I mean? That's exactly why people call you <laughs> arrogant, Max. You may not agree with everything we say, but it's definitely worth a listen. And our pick, can you stop whatever you're doing? Join your host, Leslie the Great, with co-host and guests as they get together <laughs> to chat our scene. Hey, after that race that I watched this morning, I have to talk about it. Yes, 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 indeed. Nitro is the glory, but e-buggy pays the bills. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 272 of the No Name RC Podcast. I'm your host, Hina White, a.k.a. Lefty the Great. And to my virtual left is the professor of everything, the arrogant one, the pisser author of nations, Max Mort. What's up, Maximus? Hello. Um, I have to be honest here. You know, I did have some alcohol, alcoholic beverages last night, you know, because we went out mm. with, uh, with our friend and my girlfriend. And, um, you know, I'm not young anymore. 
I mean, I would I would consider you know I'm not young anymore because. Yeah, twenty four. Yeah, you start. Yeah, you realize. Hey, I can't get over that all night bender as quickly as I used to. Yeah, yeah. Well, that wow! I had that extra cup of wine. Made really made me. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, made yeah. But luckily, over. luckily, uh, I had it good because I had nothing in like nothing like official to do except for a podcast, which you know, uh, <laughs> I think you can do even even a bit of a hungover, but. My girlfriend, she just left uh, to do an exam, you know. So it's the yeah. You could be doing an exam. I say, I say, bite the dog that bit you, and just keep the ball rolling. Uh, yeah. And have a have yourself a frosty beverage. But welcome. We do have a lot to talk about. I do appreciate it. It did not this the 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 hungoveredness that you are feeling right now did not stop you from writing up a plethora of notes. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. Not so much a lot to talk about, but we have a very good race that we have to talk about. There are two very good races on this past weekend. But we, before we do that, I'd like to say thank you to everybody out there, the NNRC squad around the world. We guys can't do it without you guys. We greatly appreciate you guys' support. And uh, keep it up. Keep hitting that. We're almost at 5,000. We're like at 4,800 and something, I think. So we're almost there. Almost there. We're almost there. Almost at 5K. I will be so happy when I reach that. So don't forget to hit that like, sub, notification button on the YouTube channel. If you are listening to us on the audio only as well, if you guys have noticed, a lot of our podcasts have become where you kind of have to see some of this stuff on the video, visual side of things. I know a lot of people still like listening to the audio. Our downloads on audio are absolutely amazing. Thank you. Uh, please leave a review on that as well for us. It helps us out a lot. And come over and hit that uh, those, those buttons on the YouTube channel and check out some of the stuff we're talking about. All right, I'd like to also say thank you to the NNRC patrons and YouTube members. You guys will get early access of this podcast. Thank you guys for all your support. If you do wish to support the podcast monetarily, financially, in a different way, you can do that by uh, following the links in the written description, becoming a YouTube member or a NNRC patron. Definitely helps us out. In fact, we're going to try and buy Max a new microphone and boom stand as well. Because, you know, things are starting to get serious around her. So some of that those funds will be used to do that. With that said, we also would like to thank these companies for all their support. If you guys wish to show the, these companies some support, we have affiliate links, coupon codes, where you can, also some coupon codes where you can save some money. Some you just have to say, hey, I heard about you on the No Name RC podcast. And I'll check it out in the written description because there are, there are some links where you can save some money. They are Invisible Speed Books are shipping out. I'll have mine here shortly. Got the tracking notice. High Tech RC, Corsa Tech USA, Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, Beach RC, Techno RC, Clinic RC, Stacked RC, Racecraft USA, RC Box Club, Call RC, Elite RC Productions, the Florida RC Championships, RC Body Armor, SJ Racing Builds, House of RC, RCGP, Shout out to our drivers, David Runnafout, Robert Battier, Alexander Hagback, Maddie G, Pekka, and our newly crowned Yuna Hotman, and possibly. Mason Fuller. I haven't talked to him about it yet. So we're just going to throw that out there, possibly. All right. Uh, before we go on real quick, I'd also like to say some shout-outs, some happy birthday. Shout-out to my boy from Colombia. Columbus, I still say Columbus number one RC driver. Juan Jose Serna. I missed him at the recent Florida RC Championships. Uh, he'll be at the second one, I believe. Rick Harrison, happy birthday to you and Juan. Mark Parrish, Phil Fernandez, celebrated a birthday the other day. Happy. He made the funniest comment on YouTube about me, you, and... Uh, me, you, and uh, Roach. Uh, Tom Stober, the infamous one. Long-time RC rival, Kimon Lawrence from Bermuda. Oh, man. Kimon uh, and I 
used to battle it out on the track back in the day. He was always faster than me. Good driver, but I was a better mechanic. I was no slouch, but I, he was able to do stuff that I couldn't do. It's his birthday. Angry Andy Kirk or miserable Andy Kirk. Happy belated birthday to you. Another good guy, Joseph Meador. Happy birthday to you as well. Uh, Max, something that I've been doing the last couple of weeks is uh, taking a little bit of a break from everything to an extent. Kind of like a staycation, trying to stay home, uh, not doing too much RC stuff. You know, just trying to t- trying to take some off time that, excuse me, that I kind of need as well uh, during this time. Sometimes, just but I mean off time, like just not really hardcore into it. But I have been catching up on some YouTube content. And uh, last week we had Roach on, and he's coming back on. Well, Roach is also a part of this podcast with Corey Jordan in the RC Podcast Launch. Uh, EKJ24000, he needs to change that name to pod, the RC Podcast Launch on YouTube. But man, Corey's been pushing hard. You know, there's a podcast that's been doing it for many years. Uh, he got three great interviews this past weekend. He had Ty Tasman, which I just finished up listening to, Cody King, which I was shocked. And then he got uh, Jeremy Quartz on, which I was happy to hear about because now Jeremy says, I'll come on your podcast. I was like, good. I've only been asking you for like five years. So um, we'll get Jeremy. And he, Jeremy Quartz says he's going to come back into RC. He wants to race again. Like, and just enjoy 40 plus. So him and Greg will be enjoying himself. In fact, Greg called me this weekend. I'm pretty sure he wanted to talk about that. Um, and I told Joseph that Quartz uh, says message him. Uh, but yeah, good interview with Ty Tasman. We are actually supposed to be interviewing Ty Tasman. Well, I am at some point as well. So I'm looking forward to that. We do have, we are, so I, just for people who update, I am working on interviews as well. Uh, so right now we're doing a lot of race caps, recaps and stuff like that. Uh, we, I am now also recording interviews with people. So this is for, I'm trying to get ahead of the podcast. You know, when I start traveling, I'll be able to have an interview, do some questions with Max, put it up there. Uh, I still want to do the interviews. I enjoy that. Uh, I did interview Joel Johnson this week. I got Ty Tesla to interview. I got Quartz. Uh, I got a few more people lined up. Stephen Bass is one of them. So I am, am taking a break, but I am also doing these small interviews or one-hour interviews with these guys when I get a chance. So that's all coming up. Lots of things going on. Check out EKJ24000. Keep up the good work. Corey, man, third tire, third third wheel salute, or third tire salute. I always get that wrong. But I've also been a big supporter of the podcast for quite a long time, and Mayako. So good to see his interviews getting some uh, some big interviews. Those are big interviews right there. Have you been on this podcast yet, Max? I, believe I was. You. I think I was. It's a while ago already, but I was there. You, you would just go into pure yeah. science. And everybody would love it. And I, you would have, like, you would actually have a host that really does care about your science mode rambles. Yeah, I think we talked about a lot of it. He asked me quite tricky questions too, which he does. I he does some good questions. Have. Yeah, he does. I, some I had questions. some questions I had to respond that I don't, I don't really know. But right. yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was a really good, good. Uh, Good chat with him back then. I can't remember Absolutely. what it was, but it, but it was a while. It was a while. And then I watched Wheel and Trigger this past weekend. Uh, a little bit of that. They just come, these guys come on late too, so I miss them. Like ten o'clock, I'm in bed or I'm wound on for the day. Like I've got kids and I'm looking after them every every day in the evening. So my daughter wears me out. Do I do? I do try to tune in, and um, but sometimes it's too late. And I, was, I actually had to go out that night. So 
all good good stuff keep up the good work to all the rc podcasts out there keep the content coming if you're a youtuber keep on keep it up it's a it's a grind i know all about it keep it up and we had such great success with success with roach I'm going to have you guys win again, and that means another time, and you guys don't know what to say for it is. They went to stop talking about Axel Plunge and all this type of stuff. But uh, I'm going to bring Roach on again so you and him could geek out on stuff. I, I enjoyed having him on, so thank you, Roach. And I say, yeah, man, good stuff, good stuff. Happy to be recording. We've got a lot to talk about. Montpellier GP is the main subject this weekend. Uh, it was an excellent race. I, You know, me you and I were geeking out on it. You did some great, uh, great, great virtual recording, I thought, uh, reporting, sorry which was exceptional. We'll talk more about that. But before we do that, we got to pay some bills and get into a little bit of RC news. And uh, this week's RC news is brought to you by High Tech RC, as well as Invisible Speed and the International Buggy Challenge, which is the next big race. Well, sorry, big, big race. Yes, for me, the International Buggy Challenge, which is the next race after the Montpellier GP, which is going to be epic. I'm hoping that we still get the same amount of people there as well. But with that said, uh, I have to say thank you to High Tech RC and Invisible Speed. As soon as I find the Invisible Speed commercial, we can go. Stop scrolling. You want to be Lewis Hamilton? Learn something new with Invisible Speed. You can't do everything at 100% maximum speed. You have to be smooth. I mean, when you drive a real car, if you drive a real car, how do you, do you just, when you get to a 90 degree corner to turn into the parking lot, do you go like that with the steering wheel? Do you like slam on the throttle and the brake? No, you probably turn the wheel smooth and get on the throttle smooth. Same thing with an RC car. If you want to learn more and make your speed visible, stop scrolling. And everybody come up to the IBC next Chris, uh, next month happening in Barcelos, Portugal. I know a few people are coming up to hang out. And do this race, my buddy Kimo, Daniel Toby Hampson's coming. Well, good good to see. Uh, a few people from over the UK are coming to race. This is the next installment where we're going to see the top Europeans race. And I want to thank you. Thanks to uh, the Figueredo family and all the people involved in the International Buggy Challenge for all their support. I will be there, and I'm looking forward to it. then thank you to these companies for all their support and up first on our rc news max you was geeking out on these two cars over the past weekend let's keep it short if we can the team corrali prototype spotted at montpellier gp funny thing about this is we literally had somebody message us last week and say you guys haven't talked about this car we did mention it we didn't know much about it besides uh that muso uh, who used to be uh, the top HP driver, I would say, before he left, was over there running with him. But it's been a very quiet progression for them. Uh, so here they are. They did make the A final at Montpellier, though, I believe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he made the A from the LCQ. So basically, to you know, take a look at the car uh, and uh, you know, talk about talk about it a little bit. Um, Basically, it seems 
like a general uh, pivot ball car. Uh, actually, they their designer. I don't know if he's Rafael or Rafa. I don't know how what's his uh, exact name, but he's a designer for them. So he's kind of the one to you know make the designing, and I think Thomas is kind of their test driver slash team driver. He's ran for them before, but at that point they never had an eight scale buggy. So he's ran for their ten scale buggy. Uh, I think they also have some electronics. So I think they have like onward stuff as well. Yeah, they don't have um like they do a lot um, of RTR stuff. Yeah, so they're mostly an RTR company. Uh, they are really big actually in RTR. It's one of the biggest in Europe, and they are also. I've seen a lot of them in America too, in in hobby shops yeah. as well. Yeah, they have a, they have a big RTR thing. So the thing about Corali is they really used to be. Um, a big brand in racing. They have multiple on-road European championships um, and so on. So they kind of went away from racing to do business in the RTR sector. They've done well there. They also have their own electronics, um, but now they're kind of getting back into racing with an eight-scale buggy. So basically, from what I found, they have used this RTR buggy as their starting point. Obviously, they've gotten rid of most of the parts. So, if I'm not totally wrong, I think the shocks are still, you know, say probably new seals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think the shocks they use kind of the same base. But then obviously shock caps uh, and uh, everything almost else, apart from like obviously diff mounts um, and uh, bumper and I think front knuckles seem to be the same. Um, I think rear hub, they used HP rear hubs and they borrow still quite a bit of parts from HP and, you know, uh, some other cars. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting what they have, because I mean, at least, uh, according to them, they're going to have some new features. So I have not seen any body off pictures of the car. So there could be something new there, but in general, it's you know quite simple, and I think it's just an interesting aspect of how they effectively took an RTR, you know, took in the parts that could be used, uh, and then made new parts for those that needed to be changed. You know, they have all obviously arms are all new, uh, pretty much all metal parts are different in some ways. So yeah, it's um. It's an interesting, interesting thing. And it's going to be interesting to see like when it actually gets released to the public, um, that how it's going to be, how it's going to be received. Because it's like they have the capacity to, you know, market it well. They have the capacity to, you know, put some money into it as well. So it could be, it could become like a real, you know. And also another thing is a lot of hobby shops will be carrying them because they also sell RTRs. So, you know, two versions. I did not think of that. I did not think of that. That's actually an excellent, excellent point because of the RTR market that they have. They're already into the, a lot of these hobby shops around the world. So no surprise that we'll probably see this. I guarantee you, we'll see an even RTR version that is more race orientated, kind of like the TLR tune Typhon. Yeah, Uh, I think. I I think we'll see something maybe in the e-buggy side because that's where we need it. And I definitely think we need something in the nitro side. And I say ready to run, but ready to race to an extent, not the best 
everything okay. is the best, but decent enough where you can take that car and be competitive, which I think the TLR Typhon is in electric. Yeah, I think the biggest issue with TLR I see is the kind of, because RMA is like totally separate from TLR. I think, you know, this has yes, more that too. I think th- this has more potential because it's the same brand and they effectively just have like uh, racing and then RTR, you know. And I think because let's be honest, Arma cars are Durango cars. You know, the okay. Arma Typhoon is effectively the Durango DNX8. And so, I mean, Durango DNX8 was a good car, you know, lots <laughs> made multiple roar, you know, top fives and made the world's main and so on. And now it's an RTR. Yeah, obviously it's a good car. Uh, so I think, you know, stuff like that, especially when you have a Chuggy, because uh, like if you make a Chuggy, you can make it immediately into a basher. They can make everything. They can make everything yeah. immediately. Yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Uh, moving on, the next big thing that you kind of caught your eye at the Montpellier GP, which was which was good because we got to see a lot of new things because these guys haven't really seen each other since last year. And I would say last year, Euros was the last time they all got together. Maybe Buggy Land, but not everybody was there. Uh, let's add that to the stage. This is the... Go ahead, Max. You have the floor. Yeah, so this one is um, kind of the polar opposite of the Corelli project. This is basically, from what I gather, uh, one um, Swiss guy. I think his name was... Uh, Christoph Porcel or something like this. So CP Axe Designs. Uh, so that's it's his initials, Christoph. I can't remember. It, it was Porcel or something similar to that effect. Um, but yeah, basically what he's done is took the old Pictor stuff. So, you know, uh, Pictor gearboxes, um, well, actually, they might not be Pictor gearboxes, but he used to have in the earlier models, he used to have, you know, Pictor uh, upper arms. This uh, way you attach the, yeah, well, here you can see the hub. That's from the Pictor. Uh, he still uses, you know, Phillips head screws. Um, he has this plastic part where you attach the shock. Uh, that's from the Pictor. You know, so stuff like that. That part looks um, like it's going to break easily. Uh, the shock attachment? Yeah. Is, is it no, molded into it or is it bolted there? So it's it's bolted from the bottom and then mm. it's screwed in like this. So it should be actually quite sturdy. Mm. Um, I can see that wanted to be aluminum at some point. Yeah, but I think... Oh, it does have Phillips head screws. Oh, no wonder people are freaking out. It does have Phillips head screws going yeah, into the diff. Yeah, that's on the bottom. Yeah, but X-Ray had this too, like back a few years ago. Um, So basically what he's done is he took what the Pictor Rush 2 had, uh, all the parts they had and, you know, the design, the shock geometry and so on. Then he kind of little by little started upgrading it until he had a kit that he was happy with. And now, you know, if you look at it, it has uh, AE arms uh both front and rear uh lower and upper arms are a or rear links or something else then he has um hb racing radio tray i think this might be actually the original um 
original um, center diff mount. And as you can see, it has this, you know, um, bias link here, which is from the picture. Uh, and I think diffs are, as far as I know, so for people picture, that, what, what, yeah, for what Max was talking about is they actually have a turnbuckle connecting the two brake rods together, so new, and then you adjust the I was I've adjust each individual length to adjust your bank brake bias pretty much, and then it's one yeah. rod that will be controlling the brakes in a horizontal, traditional style, but horizontal, you know, one rod yeah. for for both brakes. That's pretty yeah. cool. All yeah, right. it's so, kind of like you tune them uh, independently, but from one rod. So, yeah, basically, yeah, like I said, you know, he took what the French, old French manufacturer from mid 2000s um, had the Picto Rush 2, updated it with some parts uh, outsourced from other manufacturers, and he's kind of selling this. I mean, it's not like a big level operation. I think he does sales like through PMs. So it's not like he has a website and stuff like that, but he sold and the kit was actually reasonably priced. I, if I if I remember correctly, it was like seven hundred euros, seven hundred fifty euros or something. And considering you know the size of the operation, it's quite a reasonable price. And I think you know geometry wise, it's it's basically like the AE. I can't uh, let me see see the front front hubs uh but yeah it's basically like the uh, older ae car with the new arms yeah so it has the old b3.2 front uh hubs if i'm not entirely wrong so yeah i think geometry wise it's, it's kind of like a mugen or something and uh then you have the shock laydown Let's set up. let us so. address the elephant in the room, which is the laid down shocks, because that's what everybody's thinking right now. Yeah, flat yeah, shock. So it's not, yeah, it's not a new idea actually. Um, and if you like, the Agama is basically the same thing, just taken to a more extreme end. You know, basically what what's happening is you're just adjusting the point of attachment on the arm but the geometry stays re relatively similar. The difference is made here is he's put the front shocks, both front and rear. Um, so that's probably the only, you know, difference here. Uh, but I, I bet the front uh, geometry is really, really similar to what the standard AE is. It might be a little bit more out on the arm, and even though it looks laid down, the actual geometry is probably not that different. So, yeah, I I kind of think it's a reasonable idea. I think the way Ogama did it, I think it's just they went quite far with it. And then you have to obviously find new pistons to work with it. It's really much harder to tune without separation of low and high speed damping. So I think those kind of issues is what Algama is having, but I think this sort of approach, the issues are like much smaller. Um, and I think this is kind of what the VRP did for the Agama, you know? They kind of changed that design to match something like this, so longer shocks, whereas Agama has these ultra short shocks. 
So okay. yeah, I, I think it's kind of like it looks dramatic, but in reality, it's not that big of a deal. Okay, and obviously with the arm, sorry, with the shocks being so laid down, that lowers the CG, and yeah. uh, it should make it exceptionally, you know, the handling characteristics a lot better on these tight, fast tracks, which Montpellier GP was actually. So, yeah, interesting stuff. And speaking of this, you didn't have any notes; you completely forgot about this. Speaking of that, with a great segue into a gamma, uh, RC oh, special, it. yeah. I'll bring I it up. It, I have it, it in the in the geeking out section, but we can go into yeah. it right now. So let's get into that because it is new product that was. If Montpellier was good for one thing, for one thing in our lots of new product, lots of spotlights on stuff. So this yeah. was brought up. RC special Costas brought it to us. Let's move. Let me move us out of the way. And there is the Agama prototype or production. I want to say. Laid on shocked 10 scale buggy. Wow, I heard rumors about something like this, yeah, happening going on for a few years now. But to actually see it in production, wow, I, I am very, yeah, I, I think they're using the same yeah. design from their 1 8 scale on two wheel drive buggy. Yeah, I think, I think it's still quite a bit away from production, everything is still 3D printed and okay, uh, yeah, they're yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, and also Yokomo shocks. But I don't know. I would be interested to hear how it has performed on track. Because I like the if you look at the front pivot, it's really, really wide. So the arms are crazy short. Kind of interesting because if we think of associated with the B7, they kind of went the opposite way. Their arms are probably close to like like this is probably two thirds of the AE arm. Like we're talking probably like 20, 20 millimeters shorter than mm -hmm. AE. And the same thing in the rear. Um, yeah, really, really wide pivots and short arms. I don't know like why they've uh, done it. I can't really tell you. It's, it's, it's a very interesting, you know, interesting, uh, like design, but I think why like they have tried to because when you put the shock like this, so you effectively the way Agama does it is they um, it, it would be the same as if they just put the sh uh, um, shock much more inwards on the arm uh, and then just had a shorter shock, you know. So effectively, you would just um, grow the motion ratio so the shock moves much slower than the tire so what that does is you know you're having issues with uh, the piston damping in a way that's familiar you know when you move the shock all the way outside on the arm and you hit a big bump the shock gives you a lot of back because it moves fast but then when you're going around the track uh, it's uh, more loose when you have it on the inside though even with uh, hard impacts you don't have that that amount of pack and you have to run, you know, um, bigger hold, uh, uh, sorry, smaller hold pistons to get that, you know, same effect of the piston packing up, uh, when it's, um, when it hits a bump. So I think that they recognized that issue they had on the eight scale and then tried to fix it by having much shorter arm. So when you have these shorter arms, um, I think 
you kind of have the speed uh, or like you can match the speed of the piston and I still attach it to, you know, um, attach it narrow enough on the car so you can shorten the shock. Basically you have same speed from the arm because it's shorter, but then you can still have a short shock, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so I think that's why they did it. Now, personally, I think the wide pivots have much more things to it, like, you know, um, the angle of the tire, how it affects the, your roll centers, how it affects your roll in general, like uh, the handling under roll. I think, you know, those things are more important for the car. And I think you're kind of making a bad compromise here, personally, from making the shock geometry work in terms of the speed, but then, you know, suffering in all those other aspects. It'll be interesting to see if there'll be any drivers driving this thing, um, how it will handle. But I think, I think there's promise in this style of shock uh, attachment, but I, don't, I just don't really think... Um, I just don't really think, you know, this is the way to go personally, but yeah, it's uh, interesting to see new designs and ways to try it. Another thing was this um, steering assembly. Uh, so instead of having the usual bell crank style, they have the servo stood up, which creates some room for this, um, uh, how would you call it, like a steering rack that has uh, bearings around it. So you have this um, bearing supported rack that just moves left to right, no bell cranks at all. Um, it's an interesting concept. Uh, it's not totally brand new because Losi did it, uh, TPLR did it back in the day. Uh, they didn't have it as fancy with the bearings and such, but they did it still. Uh, but they went away from that to, you know, regular bell cranks because it creates some form of, uh, you know, uh, expo on the steering and it, you know, calms it down a bit. Whereas this, basically, any movement you make on the steering, like, is straight transferred to the tires without any bell cranks, without any, you know, motion ratios. So it'll be interesting to see how how they'll go with this, if they'll pursue it further or if they'll revert back to bell cranks, but I'll, I More think of a direct, a direct feel you're saying right to the, yeah, uh, like every little movement would just be, uh, abbreviated more. Excellent. Yeah. It's, it's basically a similar type thing. If you'd extended your servo arm length, because when you have a longer servo arm, you know, you only have to move like a very short, um, amount of the servo for it to move the steering bell cranks the same uh, length, you know? So let's say five degrees of change uh, in a long servo arm is five millimeters of change. But then mm. with a short servo arm, you need 10 degrees to uh, move it five millimeters, if that okay. makes sense. Gotcha. So I got th you. This, this kind of is the uh, equivalent of losing a lot of that, you know, extra movement. It's like electric with a clutch. Cranks. It's like electric cars with instant power and like, yeah. Uh, nitro cars with a clutch. You don't have that system in, in, to take up that slop or add a, add, a, add a little bit of time. I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. 
this car is I said production, I'm an idiot. It's actually heavily 3D printed. Uh man, yeah, it's amazing what 3D printing is allowing people to do nowadays. Uh, I hope yeah. it gets to that point soon where like a 3D part is just as good as a production part. I think for metal parts, we are quite close to that. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm actually studying that now in school, like the potentials of 3D printing. And that's my bachelor's thesis is going to be um, about okay. that. But for plastics, um, I think it's still quite a bit away. Uh, there are some plastics that are really good. But I think the materials at this point are just really expensive. Uh, so, you know, um, SLA printing, um, like waterbed SLA printing for uh, mm. plastics is pretty good. But yeah, I think just it's right now it's just less so much more expensive. That's no point to do for production, and it's also much lower for production. But I think we could move into a you know move into a system in RC especially because our quantities are so much smaller that it actually could be cheaper to produce some part by 3D printing for one year and then you know you change it for the next model if you change it uh, so I think you know that it will become a thing but right now it's just not popular enough where the price is brought down but I think okay. you know this this tells quite a bit the the whole front bulkhead is 3D printed mm -hmm. so yeah, that's pretty. It's going to be interesting to crazy. see what, how this project develops. All right. Uh, but kudos to Agama for going thinking again outside of the box. And it seems to have grabbed a lot of attention uh, on the, at the race and online this past weekend. Another thing that I thought that was pretty cool that caught some attention this week past weekend was by Justin Meyerson. I believe he's friends with, uh, could be wrong, but I do believe he's friends with Wally, who has a big race coming up too. I need to get, he keeps saying, I got to get him on her to talk about that. But this oil coating on the pipe, I hope it's like a ceramic coating as well where it does protection. But man, that looks badass. Um, I'm not going to lie. I would have a pipe like that as well. I bet you it stays a lot cleaner and offers a lot of protection. But uh, it's yeah, an oil know. coating. I don't know if it's ceramic coating, though. Yeah, I, I don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't know how it works, but I've seen like, um, you know, motorbike. Uh, mm hmm bikes uh pipes being like this so mm. i'd imagine you know it's uh it's a decent coating but yeah, yeah it's got to offer some I mean, protection i think look. yeah but also i think you know the biggest selling point is how cool it looks <laughs> yeah it just looks badass so cool thing yeah. uh we'll see how that takes off and how that works that was my surprise product of the week uh also something that just popped up from rc special let's bring it up let's see how good you are so Costas was the guy who was keeping us mostly informed in English at the Montpellier GP. So he posts up this picture of, I believe this is, I believe this is Ricardo Barton's car. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, I, I think if, if I know what you're talking about, it's better. Yeah, and he's asked, I'm trying to figure out what's so special about it too. He says, never be seen, never seen in RC cars before. So I thought you might be able to uh, pick this up as well. And let us know what it is you think. Oh, oh, Oracle of RC. There it is. Oh, I got people messaging me on Facebook. More people messaging yeah, me on so, Facebook. Um, basically, so, oh, actually, now that I said it, I, I just got reminded. Uh, someone commented on Discord 
that he counted how many times I said basically on the last podcast. And he said it yes. was like 27 and we had a, he had an hour to go. So I got to yes. stop using basically. You do. Um, so from looking at this, I, I just before we started recording, I was looking at this like, what the hell is he talking about? Um, and I couldn't really figure out what it would be. But I think what he means is the if you zoom in uh, to the tank, Mm-hmm. Uh, you can zoom in from the top on the yeah on the lens. If you zoom in on the tank, you see those little lines. Mm-hmm. So I think the way they made it is that each line is let's say ten milliliters or something. Mm-hmm. So if you have a one twenty five cc tank, you know you put you get the, the car. Check with, yeah. yeah. So instead of having a syringe and that's cool. That's pulling cool. the fuel out of the tank, you have a rough measurement right there. It's like, you know, it's around 10 milliliters um, uh, there. So, yeah, I th- well, that's like 10, yeah, 10 cc. One, uh, two, milliliters. three, four, five little lines there. Yeah, so then it would be probably five uh, cc each line or something. Because then it okay. would be 25 and you'd have a, a, around a quarter. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably around five cc each of those lines, if that's what it's for. That's and pretty cool. I didn't notice that. that. Someone had said it in the comments, but I was like, "What are they talking about?" But I didn't zoom on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess yeah, and there's some piece of shit also on the, on the tank, so it kind of disguises the line. Yeah, it looked like it was like glue. Yeah, to hold a, yeah. a pipe there, like a pipe. Uh, sorry, a fuel tube holder. Holder. Uh, All right, yeah, cool. Yeah. You figured it out. Good. Good stuff. All right, Max, let's get cracking. We got some races to talk about. Uh, but before we do that, I want to say thank you to High Tech for all their continued support. High Tech is coming in strong and in charge in 2024 with the introduction of our new suite of chargers, the RDX2 200, the RDX2 800, and the RDX4 with the capabilities of charging up to four batteries. Depending on your charging needs, High Tech gets you plugged in with the power multiple port flexibility, and ultimate reliability you require. You can find links where to buy all your high-tech products. I believe do believe they are available on Amen as well in the written description below. Thank you, high-tech, for all their continued support. All right, Maxi. So we're going to go right into <clears throat> some of the races that happened this past weekend. We are going to touch on a few that happened We're not going to spend too much time on them as soon as I bring up my notes, but I guess go ahead, lead us off, Maxi. Um, Yeah, so we, yeah, we're starting with Asian Buggy Championships. Uh, Um, Let's, no, let's, let's start with some of the last ones. Okay, so we had the J Concepts INS 14 run up at Trackside, up in Wisconsin. Uh, I just wanted some of the points that I, I, I did tune in to the coverage. I know Live RC did it, it was excellent coverage. Uh, they had some good stuff. They had interviews. I know Matt usually does this, but this is like uh, live RC stomping around. So the track had them there. Rivkin wins both classes. You said X-Ray is looking strong. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I intense scale in America again. Them. What did you? What was your synopsis? What made you come up with that synopsis? Yeah, so I think um, when I looked at the results, you know, obviously in two-wheel drive, we had Rivkin win, and then Chase Lemieux in second, and Cavalier in third. And I think, you know, last podcast we were talking about the, or was it the podcast before we were talking about American race? Um, 
uh, Ten Scale also. I, it was during when you was in America. The uh, clash, the clash yeah, the that clash, happened at yeah. Hobby. The who's your hobby? Hobbyplex. Who's your Hobbyplex? Yeah, and and I think Chase had decent results there too. But now I think you know, uh, just looking at the results, like who's behind him. Um, you know, you you obviously have Cavalier right behind him in third. Then you have Champlain, Rindicknet, Horn, Evans, Tollard. You know, David Bata and uh, Drayton Staub. And uh, yeah, Gregory Tennis also made the main. Uh, oh, by the way, Brent Theoki won B main. Um, shout out to Brent. Uh, Rindicknet yeah. was faster as well. I saw his name come up quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 was my sort of initial thinking. You know, you have Chase in second, Rinnecknet in fifth in tool drive with the new platform. Pretty solid result, in my opinion. Uh, and then, you know, I tune in to look at full drive results, which obviously, you know, um, again, uh, Rinnecknet third on the podium and then Chase in fifth. Uh, you had Ripkin taking the win with Tollard in second and uh, Aiden Horn in fourth. So I think, you know, this, they had three cars in the main with Tennis making the main in both classes. Um, A had uh, five cars in the main, but, you know, those five guys was Evans, Braden Staub, uh, David Bata, Horn, and Rivkin. So, like, at least uh, Evans and um, Rivkin get paid quite a good money. I believe Horn is also on the, you know, paid team. So I think, you know, considering the amount of money that X-Ray spends in America, I think they're doing quite well right now. I think these results look to be, you know, because Rinnecknet has been winning big races already, or at least being on a podium. But if now Chase can be there consistently, and also Tom could be there more consistently, I think, you know, they're, they can have a little bit of an opening in the market again, even though Testament's gone. You know, mm -hmm. and they, they actually have somebody in stock that's pretty good. Jeff Stacks is also part of Stacked RC. He's a, yeah. like, I would say he's a, pro, I would say he's almost a pro stock racer. He's, I mean, he has a real job, but he doesn't any race stock. So he's good in that. So yeah, they're, they're looking pretty steady. I don't, I haven't heard anything about who's officially the team manager now or how things are going with X Ray in America. I, I'll, I guess I'll hear more when I get back to America, but it was a good event. Um, it, I, I would say that was just really good coverage. I did not watch a lot of it, but what I did, I was just like, okay. And there was a dirt track, clay tray, clay track. This used to be Scotty's race up in Wisconsin. So it was a good event. And uh, once again, J Concepts with their INS is doing pretty, is doing excellent things. Techno Winter Series. Now, this is a big one, eight scale series at the Omaha Hobbyplex up in Omaha, Nebraska. That's where Alex Sturgeon works. We've had him on the podcast. I had the pleasure of meeting his son, Emerson. Second name of my father too. Uh, uh, at the the SIC last month, uh, so the Hobbyplex, the Techno series, I think it's like a 2023, 2024 series. So this is the last. It's like the last couple of races, always the last race. Talking points in this was this is like a race that Mason Fuller, Seth, and Dan and Tebow Wiggins is going up there. It's if you're like people are really fast at this indoor track, they're good. Um, but Mason Fuller's kind of been the king up there. Did struggle a little bit in qualifying in Nitro Buggy. He qualified fourth. His brother was ahead of him, actually. So in qualifying, it would be Wiggins, Fuller, Drew Rubin King, Mason Fuller, and my boy Riley Farbert. Filbert, he was all excited. He doesn't race Nitro much. He just started. But he, 
this is like his soundtrack. He did really good. He finished fifth. Ashton Abdu in sixth. And then in the in the uh in the final of that race, the Nitro final, Mason Fuller would take the win, followed by <clears throat> let's me bring up my uh, Wiggins. Wiggins. Wiggins and also to you know, just to <laughs> make a point. Um Fuller won by uh what is this half a minute so oh, yeah, he's flying yeah so yeah he won by over a lap and then then 10 seconds so with the short lap it's half a minute over wiggins in 30 minutes so yeah it's like uh one second uh a minute faster than uh giant wiggins which is quite quite a stomp i'd say um i don't know if wiggins had any long laps no, 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 doesn't look like he flamed out anywhere. Uh, yeah. Riley Filbert would be happy with that third. I mean, I'm sure he'd be happy. Yeah. Ashton Abdul, his own track fourth. Noah Hicklin, in, Noah Hicklin in fifth. Kenneth Fuller will be in seventh. So, yeah, um, I, I didn't check, but I believe he must have had something happen because he was in second for most of the race. Mm -hmm. And then, then he had, you know, uh, a 10 second. Uh, deficit uh, for some reason, and then he ended up having a 80-second lap, which is effectively three laps at this track. So during the yeah, he must have had a, lap. So I think that's a flameout. Yeah, yeah. So because he was in fourth, I think he pitted, dropped down to fourth, and then you know, then it was a flameout, and he dropped to seventh. So mm -hmm. I think I think Caden would have been there. At least third, I'd say. Mm -hmm. but, I would say yeah. that the Fuller boys are putting in the work that they need to get up to pace with these cars. This is where they they did a lot of racing here uh, uh, during the TLR days, during the HP days. So I think they're putting in the work to get up to pace on these XRX cars. It's going to be interesting to see how they do at the upcoming DNC, which is coming up very shortly, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this podcast. Oh, and All by right. the way, yes, go uh, ahead. I want to give a shout out to Riley because he had the hot lap of the May. Did he? Yeah. Oh, he, he messaged was, me. He was all excited. I was happy yeah. for him. Yeah, I saw his post. He was really, really happy. And I think, you know, it's it's something to have, you know, a hot lap against pros. It it does give you like a feeling like, oh, I'm I'm fast, you know. Yeah, Even everybody's reality, it's not the flex. Yeah, but then, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Did we talk about Ibagi? We did not. Uh, who yeah. won that? Mason again won it. Mm -hmm. Not that big of a difference uh, to Mason Herrick. I do not know who he is, so I don't know if you do. Would, would I believe he might be a local. Yeah, but yeah, Mason Herrick and then Caden in um, third. Then Drew Rubikin and Ashton Abdul uh, running at the top <coughs> five for you. I think here again, Caden had the hot lap. So 23-9 and against Mason's 24-1. So I think, you know, Caden and Caden was actually faster in top five average and actually in top 10 average too uh, against Mason. But I think Caden's issue is kind of just mistakes right now because at times he feels, uh, I think even in uh nitro he had uh, the faster best lap than mason 
Yeah, he had a 24-6 um, mm-hmm. against the Masons to 24-7. So I think like Caden um, probably, one could say, has even more pace than Mason. But it's just, uh, I mean, we see it all the time mm-hmm. uh, at these big events too, where Mason is one of the most consistent guys in the in the top five. And that's why he gets on the podium. Uh, whereas someone like Rose back in the day probably used to be more flashy, um, but then, you know, didn't have those big results until now at SIC. So I think that's kind of Mason's strong suit and not making mistakes. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. He doesn't make many, and he knows how to come back from making them. All the yeah. racecraft he's developed in the last four years, I would say. So that's, that's that has extremely helped him out quite a lot. And um, just being a little bit more mature with his racecraft, I would say, is the the addition to that. All right, Max, <clears throat> we're gonna go into Asian Buggy Championships then, then Montpellier. But before we do that, our next uh, bit of geeking out on RC is brought to you by Corsa Tech USA. They are your one stop th- stop shop for all things Corsa Tech in the USA. You can all purchase all the Corsa Tech range of products. For nitro and electric powered vehicles and systems and accessories used by world champions, world and European champions David Runnefalk and Robert Battier. Established in 2022, Corsa Tech was founded by Adrian Bertin, a three time IFMA world champion in GP, Oscar Janskin, five time EFRA European champion in electric powered uh, vehicles. Corsa Tech is made by racers for racers. Available all in the USA. You can find a link for that in the written description of this podcast. Thank you to Corsa Tech all their support all right max let's talk about this race that happened over in new zealand and we're going to bring up some video of the a2 which was an absolute epic video race i would say uh between kyle mcbride ryan lutz and the moxie caleb nodal that's that's what we're giving him he he drove with moxie extreme and and and, uh what all right, so just in case you guys have been sleeping on the rock, the Asian Buggy Championship is the brainchild of Scotty Ernst and a few partners over there in the Australian-Asian RC market. As you guys know, Scotty is always doing a lot of races over there. Actually, I might as well just play this while we're talking. And he has been heavily involved in the Asian RC onward scene and off-road scene for many, many years. Last year, they came up with this Asian Buggy Championship, which uh, took place first at the Philippine Masters last year in the Philippines. <clears throat> and then they went and had a round at Zach Ryan and Ben Panic's home tra- oh, I think it's Zach's home track. Uh, they're in New... I'm probably going to get it wrong. Well, let me... It, I but think if you guys um... want to go check out this in better quality, you can go... I, I did put a link for this on the No Name RC Podcast Facebook through the timestamp for A2. This is the Saturday of this event. You can go to uh, RC Race Media or Scotty Ernst Productions to find the YouTube channel for this. I'll put a link for that in the written description. But uh, New Zealand, so so they had two races last year. This year, they're intending on having a four-race series. And yeah. this is the first time that any type of big type of racing that I know of has been to New Zealand in my time of be, of knowing about RC. I do know people in New Zealand, Mark Johnson, Bevan and so a couple of guys that are that were JQ drivers. Obviously, I've met some other New Zealand drivers like Logan Toa, Shane Smith, not Shane Smith, Shane O'Connor, sorry, and uh, probably Jamin Jadison. I believe he's from there as well. So I've met yeah. uh, New Zealand drivers. They always come up to DNC in Silver State as well. 
So this was held at... Let's see if I can pronounce this right. I'm going to give it an attempt and don't correct me, Max. This was held at the Pokikoa. Pokioko. Pokakoye East New Zealand uh, County's RC Club. I've seen this track before because uh, Mark used to uh, be involved in this. Uh, I'm just pumped for these guys to get a race like this. I'm pumped to see this this series taking effect. Next stop will be f- I want to say in Philippines. Okay, so they go to Philippines and they go to Indo- then they go to Australia then the last stop yeah. will be in Indonesia. Yeah, so it will be um, yeah, like you said, four parter. Last year it was, uh, if I if I'm not entirely wrong, it was a two-parter, a first mm-hmm. Philippine Masters and then, you know, uh, Queensland, Australia. Mm-hmm. And now now they go to, uh, like uh, like last year, they go to Philippine Masters uh, in Circle of Verde in uh, Manila. Then they go to, uh, was it Pine Hills uh, Racing? Pine Hills Dirt Raceway. Dirt that's in, yeah. uh, that's next track. Yeah, and, and Queensland, uh, Australia. That'll be round three. That'll be in July. And then the last round will be in September in West Jakarta. They have a new raceway that they are they have been building. I think it got ready end of last year. It's called Westside Raceway. Uh, so that that's where they will be ending the series. So it'll be kind of this um, Pacific uh, Asian uh, and then uh, Oceanic uh, series. Right, absolutely. So yeah. this is. Now, to say that, uh, it was good that they had Ryan Lutter, Kyle McBride was her. I see that uh, for the Australian run, Ryan Pavitas is going. So that's interesting to see. But uh, I think for the New Zealand natives, this was a good time to have them there. I hope that the New Zealand guys make the trip. I hope this series gets the people that follow it. So the New Zealand guys go to Austra- go to Philippines, vice versa. One disappointed person that, two, that I would say I was disappointed not seeing her were Aaron Dexter and Bernard Zek. I wish they would have been her as well, but I don't yeah. know if work for, I, I know both of them have real jobs. So, you know, it, it would have been nice to see her, see them here, but here we're watching his A2 final where Ryan Lutz is kind of out in the lead. Kyle McBride in that Kyosho as well. First rig race on him. I think that's Caleb Noble that blew in, blew in yellow wheel techno. So Caleb Noble has also made our podcast before when he uh, took out yeah, him and Kyle McBride, I think it was. Was it McBride? Um, or? Maybe it was Jameson. I think it was Jaden Jameson and then Caleb Noble at the uh, Australian no, Nationals I last year. I think it year. was, uh, I think, it, no. You know who it was? It was, it someone, was the guy no. Foot. It was the guy Foot, the TLR driver. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, but there was an incident between them. That, yes, and Caleb yeah. was like, I'm not stopping for him. And then there's uh, Kyle McBride, he makes a mistake, and that allows Noble back. I just want to say that the coverage, so... What Scotty's done, he's paired up with the RC race, RC race Media team, which is an Australian-based team. They also worked with RC Racing TV for the coverage of the, of the GP World Championships last year. Scotty got up Tony Firth and a couple other guys. So Scotty goes over there, there's the RD commentary. Firth goes out and does the interviews. This race has excellent content. They have good interviews, good, good quality race production, live stream production, good audio. They also have very good written reports and all that stuff going on throughout the yeah. race. Kind of hitting all the dots, uh, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's for race coverage was exceptional. I really enjoyed this A2 main as we are now probably about, I can't see the timing, but uh, let's see. We're, we're halfway through. This is where it starts getting spicy. 
I think that what these guys are doing is pretty, pretty, pretty good. It's it's excellent. It's it's hard to get a series going, but what I think is what's going to happen is one of these races, and I have a feeling it's going to be the Filipino race, is going to be a race that we're going to see more top drivers going to, kind of like how the Philippine Masters was. I don't know if we're going to see all top drivers going to every event because it's going to be very hard to do because it's far away and it costs a lot of money. Yeah. But we might see what I'm hoping for is one of these races to become a staple of the RC traveling circus in eight scale. Like, yeah, I think uh, I think Philippine Masters has the potential. I think the big issue for them was the well, COVID for one, mm-hmm. and then another was that they actually had to relocate their track. Mm. Um, so I think they I don't know if they skipped one year, but kind of the they had a whole kind of turnaround there. So yeah, I think it's kind of coming back. It had Ongaro last year, it had Robert last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have uh, quite a strong you know club there doing it. So I think Philippine Masters can kind of get back to that. But I think back in the day they kind of paid for pros to go there. And I don't know if they really they still do. They that. still do. So yeah. like I know lots is going again. I think Joseph might be going to do a uh to do a like a clinic. But you know yes. how it is. Like it's the uh you know, the like upper class people that that support this in those countries and they pay for these guys to come in. But I hope it I hope it comes a staple, right? I hope it becomes yeah. because honestly, nobody's gonna have an advantage on this track that we hear it come from a lot of people. Uh you, the the top guys will be the top guys all the all the way, and I just hope. I don't know how bad it is to go Philippines. It's a long flight, but it's it can be a vacation slash race for these guys as well. So I'm hoping, yeah, that that happens. I know what's stru- oh no, that was a good pass. Lutz just made a mistake, and that allows McBride by. But you got to see the last part of this race if you're watching this. Uh, and McBride just makes oh. a weird mistake right there. He just cases that jump. So this is near the end of this race where Caleb Noble's that blue car with the green wheels. He does not give it up. He is chasing on lots. And they go right to the very end. And what an excellent race by that young that young Australian with Moxie. But yeah, I hope this yeah. becomes that because the cover that that like the, the race tracks are great, the race format's great, the race coverage is great. Uh it just needs to get the support of some of these top drivers. You can see BRC was a support of this as well, which was great. Uh you know, all the way over in Asia, uh, coming out of Myrtle Beach, that's a, a good step for them. So I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to the Philippine side of the race coming up here shortly. I hope more pros go there. Like, I hope Wangaro goes, and I hope a couple of other guys go to make, um, just make that top class a little bit more exciting for us watching. Not saying that this wasn't exciting, but you know what I mean. We Nothing gets our blood boiling and going like watching the top guys go at it. Now, this is a good race because Caleb is all over Ryan Lutz. Yeah, he's giving wanna, him no room. Yeah, I want to give Caleb a, a little bit of a shout out because he's really brought himself, you know, into the picture or from the uh, Australian slash Oceanic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, I think he's becoming kind of one of those guys uh, that, like, the next Bernard Jack kind of thing. You know, because for a while, it was only McBride. And then it was pretty much only Bernardchak. And now we're having McBride back. I think Bernardchak is still going to these big races. And then it's going to be Caleb. I think he'll be able to put up a fight. 
So I think this is gonna promote the Australian scene to be become like much better in competition. Um, and yeah, here, like I think just the fact that Caleb is even able to put up a challenge with lots is a big, big statement in on itself because it's not like this is a local track for Caleb. He mm -mm. probably has come here before sometime, but like yeah, it's it's not like a home advantage in my opinion. It's pretty much pretty much a fair fight and I think Caleb is putting on a fight. So I think, you know, it, it could be good for them to have this series to even further, you know, mm -hmm. get the get, get the competition and then oh, what a great ooh, pass. Now now is the pass. That was a great pass. Let's go back yeah. and have a look at that. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be good for all of them to have this series now really you know, get get uh, popular with top drivers, and then you know get the competition, and then probably have some good performances also in uh, going over to America, um, because I think they are capable of it. But American races are really really difficult to be good at because you have so little practice. You kind of have to know what to do uh, beforehand. What a beautiful pass! He sets this him up on the outside. Yeah. Let's go a little bit wide. Yeah. He just forces his car through there. Wow, that's no, amazing. but I, I don't think I think that's like hundred percent clean pass. Oh yeah, like, I don't think I don't, he, I don't think he touched him. Not they yeah. touched us now. Yeah, I think that was a little bit silly from him to curve to the left, but granted, it's quite bumpy and you're going full speed and on an e buggy, so it's a bit floaty. But I think he set it up really nice from the corner before, and then you know kept it, uh, kept it to the inside and made made the pass. Yeah, he, he started sending it. He made a little bit of a mistake just now. Let's go back and uh, go back and look at it in real time. Yeah, but that was he set it up already on this corner. Yeah, Lutz was a little bit wide. Uh, Caleb switched back to the inside, and then you know, I think he, like I thought right here he's going to dump it, but he yeah, got control. I think the little touch uh, they had at the end of the straightaway got him a little bit unsettled, and then you know. Um, the bride was right there, though. The bride wasn't too far back. If they would have, yeah, good race, good race. That was awesome to see. Uh, I had a few of my Australian friends, hey, did you see that race? Did you see that yeah. final race? I was like, no, I didn't see it, and I finally got a chance to see it. It was a good final. Hey, man, I have nothing but positive things to say about this. Um, they're also showing that a series can work. I hope that, like I said, I hope that the, these same guys will we see them racing, uh, in um. In Philippines and in and I know the a lot of the Australians, the biggest obviously probably the biggest market is Australia, so it'll be packed then. But uh I would like to see them go right down. I'd like to see see them go to Indonesia and all that stuff as well. It'd be good. It'd be very yeah. good to show that this can work. Yeah, I think um I think you know also uh, on top of you know that all that serious stuff, I think it's nice to see a driver like Caleb because he's He's pretty much like the underdog, like considering he's not a pro, uh, like a, like McBride has been, uh, like or Lotsis, and he's just out there and he has like, I don't know if it's like uh, confidence or some people don't like that because like the way he reacted to last year's thing that I'm not gonna listen to stupid calls from the RD, uh, like that kind of you know. I guess arrogance, I can see arrogance, like I, I look at the mirror every day. So I think, I think like that type of little arrogance of him gives him the balls to like 
actually put on a move on lots, you know, because a lot of drivers, especially young drivers, let's say like Salevsky and these guys, like they have these, they have this thing that, oh, this is like the top guy. Like I have to be careful around him. But some drivers, you know, like Caleb and in some sense, Carob, they kind of like don't give a shit. It's a race. I want to win, you know? And I think like that's a, that's an attitude you have to have to be successful and have these results. Like that pass gave Caleb P2 on Ibagi, you know? And like, it's a big thing to beat McBride, which is he was the top Australian in Ibagi. I was just going through the Nitro results and he had some issue in Nitro. Um, I don't know what it was, but looked like a, a broke something or a flame out because he was almost almost five minutes off the track. But yeah, on Ibagi, I think it's a solid result to come home with uh, b being the best Australian or Oceanic driver. And, um, you know, coming home with a final, like, uh, A2 win, I think it's a big, big thing. Shout out to Logan Toa. Oh, I think that's how you say his name, but he's a New Zealand yeah. native, I believe. And he yeah. finished second in Nitro Buggy. So good job to him as well. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we talked about Nitro yet, but... Um, I did yeah, not. basically, yeah. So I think that's for eBuggy, pretty much. So we can move like full on to Nitro, which Lutz absolutely dominated. I think he TQ'd every round of qualifying. I, I'm pretty maybe he dropped one round of qualifying, but he was faster in practice, faster in qualifying. Started first. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he never never got out of first yeah he held the lead from like uh what was it lights the flag victory on him um completely uh you know dominating the field in terms of you know the main one by over what is it four laps <laughs> that's a lot in 45 minutes almost four laps um uh, obviously uh when we look at the times here uh, McBride was indeed a bit faster. He had the fastest lap by a few tenths. He had the fastest average top five and even fastest average top 10 and top 15 and also fastest three consecutive, which kind of like makes it clear that he had the pace. Um, but uh, coming into the second pit stop, he ended up running out of fuel. And it also happened again uh, a few laps after, a few times after, where he ran out of fuel again. And according to his race report, it was just a human error. They kind of messed up the timing of the pit stops. I'm a little bit hesitant to believe that because we know... He's running Nova, Nova now. Yeah, Nova drivers have had uh, quite a bit of flame out, quite a bit of issues. Um so I'm a bit hesitant to believe that, but it could be could be just that. Um, but yeah, he ended up coming back into third. So he was he was in second uh, until the first flame out. Uh, then he dropped to fourth, uh, came back to second. Uh, then he had another flame out, um, and uh, um, yeah. Yeah, came not back, a good weekend for him. All right, that, so let's let's move on. Lots did good. Obviously, what we thought Lots would do. What are you? What are, I know. Are you are you happy with you know you you have been swinging off McBride's nutsack for quite some time now since you saw him go Kyosha. <laughs> you saw him go Kyosha, and he was like, "Oh, a Kyosha." 
Um, How do you feel about McBride now after this first time out on the Kyosho, Max? Do you, are you, do you have doubts? Um, I don't know. I'm not like, um, I'm not, you know, selling my earth just yet. Uh, what's it called? Selling my land just yet. Uh, but um, I think, you know, it was a little bit of a disappointment to me um, because, you know, he was in second. He probably would have finished quite close to Lutz, but I don't mm -hmm. think he would have been able to beat Lutz even without all the flame outs. You had him going into Lutz. You had him here going beating Lutz this past weekend. You had him. Yeah, I, had I was him. expecting. I was expecting was him to do bad. so, but yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't really you tell was you. Wrong. Like, you was wrong. Just admit it. You was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong, but I think. I mean, yeah, I think he still has the speed. I think he was the fastest guy here. Oh, my baby. Oh, but, but, but I have to say, I don't think he would have won no matter what happened. You know, unless like... He just if can't lose gracefully. He was... He, okay, yeah, but he, I, wasn't, he wasn't as bad as... He wasn't... Like, he, he still should... Glimmer's a brilliant, so he still can do it. Yeah. He needs some time on his equipment. He needs to definitely get yeah. that engine sorted out and what's going on with that. And um, I hope he goes to Philippines. I really do. And I hope he continues to race there in Australia. But all yeah. in all, good event. I look for, I really want to go to the Filipino one, but I don't, Philippine one, but I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe next year. And uh, kudos to everybody involved. I think they did a good job. Everybody that made the trip over there to race, the club that put on the race, as well, shout out to all our New Zealand listeners. Good job, Kiwi guys. Uh, and good job to like RC Race Media, Scotty, and everybody involved in that, doing the production, you know, working in the production side of things. I can sit back and say, wow, that was good. That took a lot of work. That was great, you know, because I do that. All right, Max, I think that's enough about that. We've been geeking out on those races and all. Let's get ready to talk about the big enchilada, the big race that happened this past weekend, and that is the Montpellier GP. All right, Max. So before we get into and start digging deep into the Montpellier GP, we'd like to say thank you to these companies for making everything possible here at the podcast and their support. They are Sidewinder Fuel. Morgan Fuel has been collaborating with the, many of the world's top drivers for over 35 years. This has enabled us to, us to test our fuels in many of the most challenging situations and take the development of competition fuels to the next level. The result is Sidewinder, the market's most powerful racing fuel. This fuel has been track tested and proven by national and world champions, including Ryan Cavallari, Ryan Mayfield, Greg Degani, Mark Vitas, and their new top driver, Little Bump and Philip Atondo, and many more. These drivers appreciate that Sidewinder is blended perfectly for the high-performance needs of competitive racing. Don't let victory slip through your fingers. Purchase Sidewinder. Today, you can purchase that. Uh, if you want to get to Sidewinder, uh, get in contact with me. I'll put you in touch with Greg, and uh, who, who who is selling that. Also, a big thank you to Techno RC for all their continued support. Lots of Technos at this race this past weekend. Lots of Technos. So that is that push is starting to work. And a uh, good job to them. Figueredo made the main. We're going to talk all about it in a second. As soon as I find the uh, ad, there we go. I found it. Techno RC. Techno RC is a championship winning manufacturer of high performance A scale, TED scale, nitro, and electric RC buggies and trucks. With a worldwide dealer network, USA and Europe based headquarters, 
comprehensive warranty program, and global race support, Techno RC is excellence in RC. View the full lineup of Techno RC race-proven vehicles by visiting www.technorc.com. All righty then, the Montpellier GP. Old race, been going on for a long time in Europe uh, in uh, the at the MBM circuit. RC Raceway, I guess that's the name, how you say it, in Montpellier GP. That, that racetrack has been around since the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. Big race this, this year. It, it's always a big race. This time, it was bigger. I mean, every top driver in the Europe was in attendance. Even the Killicks, who don't go to this race too much, they were there. I believe they're holding the uh, electric uh, Euros at this track this year, too, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. You're muted. E-buggy Euros will be there, and I'll yeah. actually go. You okay? So you're going. Good. I'm, I'm well, entered to Ibagi Euro. Well, actually, you know, you know, after your excellent virtual reporting this past weekend, we're actually on a mission to send you to the Euros to do reporting as well uh, this year. So yeah. get on board with that, people. If you want Max to go do some uh, some virtual, some some race reporting and pictures and all his Maxi geeking out type of stuff that he did this past weekend, but actually at the race and do interviews and stuff, let us know. Give us a thumbs up for Max. Uh, I was very excited about this race. I was very excited, and then at the same time, I was very triggered and disappointed if I remember messaging you, and I was just so upset that there was no coverage, right? Let's just let's just get that right out of the bat, right off the way, before we get into this race. I would say that in the past, they've had live streams, but it's been in French. This year, we didn't have a proper live stream. Last year, we didn't have a proper live stream. Yeah, everything think... else, everything else was good. Like the coverage, I'm assuming that the coverage in French by Circus RC and RC Mag was great. I can't, I don't read French, so I don't understand that. Costas was our only English correspondent no, think, there. Costas of RC I, Special. I think, I think and uh, Nemo. Did, uh, Nemo was yeah. there as well. They did some stuff too. Yeah, but I think Chris did uh, written in English, but not uh, spoken right. in English. Yeah. Uh, uh, but between RC Special, RC Mag, Nemo, I was talking to Mark Rumble while he was out there as well. Uh, what, people were like, well, do you have contacts there? Yeah, here's my contact, JQ, with a one-word answer. <laughs> right? Tires. He was pretty good with me. Okay, with me, he, would, he didn't want to hurt, he didn't talk. We had a, yeah. So I did have a long conversation with JQ for about an hour and a half while he was driving to Valencia about this race. So I did talk to him about this race. I talked to, like, R2 from Infinity... Uh, you got a lot of attention this past weekend because people were messaging. Oh no, it was. Can you make this right in the in the writing? And yeah. you know, so you, good job, Max. I think people really were appreciative of your informative. Even though you wasn't there, you made it. You made some good reports, and I think that's how people caught up with it. And I remember so many of my American RC friends, like, where can we watch this? So I was very disappointed that we could not provide a decent screen. So I'm good, and I will say this. I, I will say that. Thank you to Costas. Thank you to rcspecial.com and thank you to RC Mag for the video that we do have. I want to reiterate that neither Costas nor RC Mag, if I'm not mistaken, I know about RC Mag, but I know Costas is not a live streamer. He goes there to do, he races number one. He goes there to do his uh, media, which is usually pictures, uh, video of qualifiers, stuff like that that he puts up on his YouTube. So he's not a streamer. I'm not sure what RC Mag's. Yeah, and I think. Either. I, yeah, to put 
uh, again a point on Costas. I think this is not like his job or anything. I don't. No, no, no. He, no. he does this much. He he exactly. gets probably a few hundred bucks here and there from the sponsors. But the thing is, like, he does this for fun on top of yeah. his own racing. Yes. You know? So, <laughs> I he was what I watched live. I have I, have, I appreciated his commentary. His his live did go down. He's doing like a Facebook live from his camera. It did go down a few times, but I was happy to see because we were able to see the race. But man. I have every single person that I have talked to that was at this race, manufacturer-wise, driver-wise, have all said that this race needs way more coverage. I would 100% agree with that. It needs way more coverage. Uh, it needs a live stream, a proper live stream. I hope they work with RC Racing TV. I don't, I don't care who they work with. Let's get it going. I told you right away, I would love to be at this race next year. I would love to go to this race. I love yeah. to call this race. I love to be involved in this race. I love this race. It's exciting. I'm going to get that round out of there. The coverage was shit. Please, let's... When I say coverage, yeah. live coverage was not great. Was not non Was not there. And that is down to the organizers getting making that a priority to put in this, in this, in this as well. So, look, so the organizers of the race, you have an excellent, excellent race. There are people around the world that want to watch this, want to tune in live. Watch this. There might be people that want to come to this race from around the world. Please, let's work on getting some better live cover. You have the quorum, you have the number of people coming on. You know, obviously, I'm guessing that RC Racing TV will be doing the e-buggy Euros. Yeah. But this is the big enchilada. So this race has been going on yeah, for just, a long time. Go ahead, Max. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know why they don't have it anymore, but because oh, it's the money. Thing was, before COVID, uh, they had really high quality live streams. They had their own um, score display. They had really good uh, commentary in French. You know, they had, I think, even two commentators at the time. And it was really, really nice. It was high quality done by RC Mag at the time. I contacted them uh, a few years back when we was doing our um, NNRC mm -hmm. series or whatever it was called, the virtual series. And I contacted them, hey, do we have live stream? And they said that they couldn't get the guy who did it before. So the live stream guy was busy. So I'm assuming there was some person who did it kind of uh, pro bono almost. They probably paid him something, but he RC was like a hobby thing for him or he was an acquaintance or something. And since mm -hmm. then, they haven't done that. They only have uh, a video after the fact which they have done for as long as I can remember from this race, because I used to watch them as a kid. Um, but there is no commentary and it's um, no scoring, nothing. It, so, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's not, it's non-existent. It was non-existent last two years. Yeah. All right, that rant's over. Let's get that out of the way. Let's get on to the racing. So we get to this event. I'm excited. Like this is the, like, this is the, this is the kickoff race for Europe, right? Yeah. Yes. You have that one man, one race at Padova, but this has usually, all the top drivers, and this year even more, because we saw like the Killicks. We saw, uh, we saw these drivers. That, you know, obviously lots of French drivers, lots of young Spanish drivers, lots of the Portuguese drivers come over to this race. You know, because it's yeah. where it's situated in Montpellier. I think it's an easy drive from from Spain, and obviously for Portuguese and for the Italians as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I I mean, just to kind of put in uh, for American people, like what the relation is. I think this is the DNC of Europe. You know, this is our equivalent of DNC. In the past, there have been a few Americans coming over, 
but since since we lost Neo, I think this is our DNC, you know? Right. Now, this race is extremely hard. Track's yeah. been around. The tra- I was looking at the track. It is. Well, let's bring it up here. So I do have the final from RC Mag, and I went with RC Mag only because they had a much closer uh, they had a much closer zoom than Costas did because he was on top of the driver's stand. Yeah. So you can see the crowd of people there that are sitting watching this track. You have a Talladega or Bristol type uh, banked corner out there that people actually go full chatter on another up banked corner. This track has elevation. The surface is glossy. There's the start finish line. They have, it's like a true European track. It has a polished concrete section that was very difficult. You said the bridge was there last year. I don't remember it. I could be, it, it could yeah, be me so, just not remembering it. Yeah, they changed the layout for the 2023 edition of this race. So it used to be the same layout for uh, how, I, I think from the start of, you know, <laughs> the 2000s, but um, uh, yeah, now they have this uh, new layout since last year. It's around the five minute mark where it starts. There. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just picking up where it starts. So go ahead, Max. Have you have you ever been to this race? No, I have not been to the race. Uh, the issue is kind of like for Finland, like this time of the year, there's like absolutely no way of uh, getting any practice in. So you'd kind of have to go to this race, you know, just uh, like uh, with no practice. And then also <laughs> around this area, I don't know of many similar type tracks so it's not like a dnc where you go into you know uh, southern california you can just practice for a few weeks and then go to the race where this race is kind of hard for us northern that's why ron and fuck also doesn't really go to this race in the past he i i don't know if the, he has made it before but i can't remember many occasions where he has so like for southern europeans this is kind of like uh start of the season but for northern europeans it's a bit difficult i think that's also you know killages are from northern um, northern germany so no outdoor racing for them during the winter <clears throat> all right so we get to this race uh this is so if you're watching this on youtube they just started this is the final there was a lot of racing prior to this we had i think this race started on i want to say wednesday yeah they had some uh, practice wednesday they usually start on Thursday, so okay. So maybe it's start on Thursday before. Yeah, yeah, Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. Uh, yeah. Quickly, right out of practice, I think Ricardo Baton was fast right off the bat. Uh, yeah. And then we saw uh, Ongaro obviously being the normal. The normal guys being fast. Like, let's bring up the 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 results from practice real quick. Yeah. So, so, like I said, yeah. during practice. I guess that was yeah. Berton was fastest, and then uh, Canas in second, Omara third, and Ronafal actually in fourth. Yes. Um, so and Boot and, fifth. Yeah. Yep. Borak Kilik, Skidmore. You know, Barkan Kilik, Remy Bermudez, French young French guy. So your yeah. usual suspects are faster. Throw in a few, maybe a Remy Bermudez, like a Lucas Esteban, her in thirteenth. Tom yeah, Robin was fast. Yeah, there's always always at this race, there's uh, a few um, few fr- fast French drivers in the main. So Remy Bermudez, I think he made the main a few years back. Uh, Hugo Tavernon, 
Thomas Musso, these guys have made the main in the past uh, and made the main again. Ryan Majubi, uh, these kind of French drivers, they have a little bit of a home advantage because they go to this track quite a bit. You know, it's a really popular track in France and they have a few races here throughout the year as well. So, yeah, and this yeah. is also a track that uh, it, it, it turned into a big tire war. So let's talk about qualifying was started, I think, on Friday. We had we were scheduled yeah. to have five rounds of qualifying. We saw Davide Angaro take rounds one and two. I was like, all right, this is going to be the Davide show. But I think Barton or Canas took round three, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't, unfortunately, they don't have, let's see. I will let you yeah, know so, right now. Yeah, so Canas took round one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Berton came back in Q3. Three. So, yeah, yeah. So what happened was it actually rained, um, mm. rained overnight uh, between Thursday and Friday. So the morning of Friday was it wasn't like full on mud, but the track was damp. So okay. you had this kind of like uh, American watered style track, very different to the very hard packed polished style this track usually is. So for example. Um, uh, who was it now? Canas, who was running J Concepts, he went out with uh, triple Ds. I believe they were either green or a black uh, compound. I really don't know, but triple Ds. And then uh, Berton went out with the uh, Ogo Twisters, uh, Ron Fark with um, Proline Slide Lock. So very yeah, different. Yeah. Yeah, very different uh, tires. And then Q2 was still sort of the same. Drivers was going out with the the sort of damp tires i think um kind of was still on uh on triple d's but then for q q3 all drivers went back to their clay tires so we're back to where we was on, on thursday where Berton was fastest and uh on the clay clay tires were it seems the ogo had the edge so i i wrote about this during the event but it seemed kind of when the conditions were wet Obviously, J Concepts have really good tires for the American, you know, watered uh, track, which is effectively what it was. But then we went back to dry conditions, clay tires. It seemed all weekend long, the Ogo, Ogo uh, clay tires were the best. Uh, I don't know if, what, for whatever reason, but Ronafog, Skidmo, both uh, no tire sponsor. Both of them ran the Ogo tires with pretty good results. Uh, and then obviously Berton, who is an Ogo driver. Uh, was pretty much the fastest overall in practice. And then as soon as the draft uh, dried up in Q3, he was back on it. Yes. And I just wanted to give, uh, I remember one year it did rain at this race and I watched that track crew throw sawdust or something, some sort of mixture that they had. And this track was dry. It does. It's, I think it has a little bit of oil. I think it has some oil in it. So it gets a little bit slick, like all this parts right here gets really slick. That's bricks. Obviously the painted concrete, smooth concrete gets slick, but yes, uh, that was the great the the that was the twelfth man as they should say, uh, and that actually yeah. stopped qualifying. So they weren't able. So Saturday morning they were supposed to have Q five, and then lower mains, but because of rain overnight they didn't have a Q five. Uh, the Vide Angara would take TQ overall. No, 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 Canas. Canas so, did. Yeah, yeah. So we had uh, with Canas uh, taking round one and two. Oh yeah, yeah. Berton sorry, sorry. Actually, Berton, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, Berton took uh, Q3, and then Ronefog took Q4. Uh, he also ran... I was way ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so Ongaro actually had quite um, quiet qualifying. He had a second in round two, but then he had a third in round four and third in round one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ongaro was actually fourth after qualifying. But, okay. Uh, yeah, then semis was actually quite interesting. Oh, I missed the semis. So let's go back to... Let's go back to qualifying real quick. We've run off taking that T that Q2, that Q1 and T in Q4. I'm I'm like I'm thinking okay, Ronald back. It's going to be his race to lose cuz he looked like he was gaining pace all weekend. Yeah. This guy who we're looking at right now, Juan Carlos Canes, this is during the A final. Obviously, the big question was about these new J Concepts tires, which they did well in the cold at uh, Montpellier, which we expected them, which I should say we should expect but I think like the big surprise was just the Ogo tires. Now, uh, Ricardo Berton made that switch over to Ogo uh, during the off season. Ogo, I've I've seen them in the southeast racing because uh, uh, like the Peach Georgia Peach State hobbies brings them in. So it's like the Flowers Brothers and the guy Curtis Crummings is running them. So they are running in the southeast quite a lot. I also know a couple of guys out in the west coast running like Kevin Caston. <clears throat> you know, we're not talking about regional drivers. The this tire has seen some success, especially in Truggy in the southeast, right? So yeah. Ogo definitely has people running the tires. It's 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 like wow. I believe the in I believe the importer is in France too, if I'm not mistaken. No, 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 no. So Ogo is uh, a Spanish company actually. So okay. SDR. So okay. the there's uh, Alejandro, I think his name is Alejandro Taras. Or okay. something like that, and he's a Spanish guy. He's the founder of XDR. Um, he also um, did some. He had a shop, I think, in in uh, Spain. But he's mostly known for XDR, and he he founded this Ogo brand. I think it was during COVID or slightly before COVID. So it's been uh, alive for a few years now. Okay, um, my bad, my mistake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he is kind of the head of the brand. I don't know if they have other people in there, but they have a few, few drivers who, um, who run them in Spain. Uh, and now they uh, got uh, Berton on their team for this year. Mm-hmm. We tried them um, a few years back uh, when we were at the Redavan, um, but back then at least they were a little bit too slippery compared to Hot Race. So Hot Race was the fastest. Uh, with then, you know, um, Seismic was uh, good also at Redavan, uh, but uh, the the Ogre wasn't good then. But I think uh, I had a little chat um, with uh, David because I, I wanted to know, because he is also uh, obviously like not having a tire sponsor, like what he thought about it. And he said uh, the Ogre worked really well here. Um, he even ran them on the wet. And he said even uh, it was better than the Proline slide locks, uh, if I remember correctly, or at least he had similar pace uh, from looking at the results because he ran in the wet, he ran the slide locks, and then he switched the Ogo. So I think they have some form of potential uh, in that sense. And uh, obviously, um, in clay, in the clay conditions, um, uh, clay tire conditions, they seem to be the top of the field. So... Um, the thing about clay compound is, as far as I know, it's mostly like some form of natural rubber or something. That's why they have this really stiff feel, but then the it's still somehow like quite soft. Um, and 
as far as I understand, it's 90% of the clay compounds out there are pretty much the pretty much the same. So the 90% of the compound is the same. They all use that uh, natural, I don't know if it's natural rubber, but the similar type of rubber, which I assume is natural rubber. Mm -hmm. And then they add, you know, whatever little uh, synthetics there. But the quantity of the synthetics is so small that um, it's effectively kind of hard to mess up a clay compound. That's mm -hmm. what I've understood. Um, so I think that's why at the end of the day, we had three different brands on the top uh, in tires. I think even uh, if you look at the five, three different cars, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was definitely a tire war, but Ogo, in my opinion, came out on top over the whole weekend. Yeah. Um, I would say that the, the hot race guys struggled a bit this weekend on tires. Uh, yeah. They just didn't, couldn't seem to find, which, which is, a, which is, Unusual because usually the hot race tires are really good here as well. So something was yeah. different. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think uh, Seismic has kind of been in the past. Seismic has been, been kind of tire. required to run here. But I think actually hot race has kind of, I, I don't want to say struggled because they've done really well here. But I want to say like compared to their results in, let's say, Redovan, where mm -hmm. they've been number one tire easily. Uh, um, in the past few big events. Uh, I think here they don't really have that staple. And uh, it's hard to say why that is, but Hot Race, for sure, it's it's probably, I'd say, the best tire out there for really hot and quite abrasive conditions. Um, whereas, you know, um, in these these conditions, it's more out there. Sismic, it can be competitive. And then, you know, um, obviously now Ogo, really competitive. Okay. All right, so let's move on to the semifinals, which I, which I did not <clears throat> actually woke up and I got onto the last LCQ. So out of the semifinals, uh, being as these guys had the entire day off, because most of them, there was some people that bumped up. So how this is done for people that don't understand or if you're listening to some European racing for the first time is that this is an IFMAR ladder-style mains. If you TQ, you do still don't, still don't go to the position of the final you still have to race into that and it's split up into a lot of mains like a and b mains and it starts with whatever, whatever the entry count is and goes down in numbers uh right till you get to the quarterfinals semifinals and then of course the the finals here which it is so the semis <clears throat> it's uh do you remember what exactly went through in the semis because it was 10 that went through and let's see <clears throat> just me um, yeah, so basically in the semis, yeah, add one to the counter. <laughs> uh, I got to stop saying basically. Uh, what went through in the semis uh, was um, in the front, it was quite uh, quite clear. Uh, Berton and Ongaro went uh, not one and two in the B. And uh, I think Canas and um, Ronefog went one and two in the A. Mm -hmm. um, a few interesting aspects was that for some reason the B semi, um, the track was a lot faster. So I I wasn't there obviously, so can't tell you why that was. Was it different weather? Was the track still a bit damp when the semi A was run? But anyway, the the track the speed was really different on the track. Mm -hmm. So uh, Skidmo ended up finishing third and Kilich fourth uh, in the B semi. And I believe 
they started also first, second, third, maybe. Uh, let me check from uh, Kilic where he started, but um, uh, I know that uh, I believe Skidmore started third overall on the line. Yeah, so it was it was um, Berton, Ongaro, uh, Skidmore, Canas, Ronefog. Uh, then it was Boots, and then I think it was uh, Kilic who started. So it was, um, yeah, it was quite interesting why they didn't choose to, you know, go A B A B because they can they can change that. They can choose to do that uh, if the conditions are not equal. Yeah, see, Canas's best lap was thirty-two four, whereas you know. Um, so what you're saying the, is they should take the the best person from the A, the best person from the B, yeah, and then go exactly. on like that. Instead, yeah, they, instead be, of, they go, but yeah. They go by because, times. Yeah, Berton's best lap was 31.8, whereas uh, Canas's best lap was 32.4. And obviously we saw in the main that that's not their true pace difference. So I think it was quite obvious that the B semi was advantageous in the condition of the track. And um, in EFRA rules, there's a declaration that if the, if the results are too biased to one semi, you take, you know, the you split it between positions, so a, yeah, because semi first starts first, and B yeah, because second, isn't so. it, isn't it like I believe they would, I think they would take the top five out of each semi, then the next two fastest laps. That's how I think it usually is. So that would again, no, actually, no, 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 they do in in IFMA, they do it so that they take five and then they check the uh, 30 minute times of the next, uh, the fifth and uh, sixth and seventh places from both semis. But mm -hmm. in Ever rules, it goes six from both, and then one from the LCQ. No, but but this race, they had two LCQs. This time. Yeah, so this race they do a little bit different. So they have more. I think they have fourteen car grids or fifteen car grids, uh, fourteen car grids. So when you take six from the semi, you still have eight drivers. So you would have sixteen on the track, which can't fit on the driver stand. Mm -hmm. So they do two LCQs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have 14 cars again on the final. Yeah, I so I know that. <clears throat> so they had two LCQs. I think y'all Figueredo won the one I was watching. And I want to say Musso. Thomas, Thomas Musso, Musso won yeah. one as well, right? So he won, the, he, went the semi, he, he won the first semifinal with the Corrali car. Very impressive. Yeah. Musso's no slouch, but this that's still making it. And I think he's, he did the, uh, he started in the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me check. Um, so it might be. They were watching Elliot Boots zooming around this race, who both of our, you and I predicted would be very good here. But he did have a, I think he had a flame out. All right. <clears throat> so I think the biggest surprise for me going into this final was Gidmore in third. Now, I know he had a better a better semi, but he was no slow. He was in a top five position until he had a flame out. And, um, but he was, he was also very good all weekend. Being on that open tire, being able to choose what tire he wanted, really benefited him a lot. Yeah, but yeah, interestingly enough, uh, just to interrupt you for a second, both Figueroa and Musa came from the quarters. Really? Yeah, and they made it yeah. into the main. So that was an interesting uh, detail. And but actually, yeah, quite a lot of technos in the finals because Adrian and Danielle and Figueredo, both all three of them, all of Techno's three new signings in Europe, uh, made the semis. 
Uh, yeah. Unfortunate for people like Robert, who I was watched his semi. He didn't make it. He tried valiantly. Probably the first time he hasn't made a a Montpelier main in quite some time. But anyway, all of this led up to a pretty impressively stacked grid starting off for not a 45-minute final, but a one-hour final of this yeah. epic race. Uh, and this track is fast. It is no, it is not like a point-and-shoot track. It is carrying corner speed. You see Boots getting by some lap traffic, going under the bridge, carrying corner speed through this section, like losing your car for a split second behind a tree through that rhythm section. Uh, probably coming up onto the slowest part of the track, and that's that polished surface. This is a yeah. very fast track, man. It's a very. It used to be a lot slower, a lot more technical, but they have still remained these technical sections of the track, but mm -hmm. kind of made the other parts of the track more fast, more flowing. Uh, so, for example, this uh, right-hand side of going under the bridge and the um, this very high-speed slingshot type uh, section of the track. This is, you know, one of those sections where Ongaro made heaps of time during the main at the end of the end of the main because he could just shoot it in there uh keep the corner speed up and then make it uh, really fast around the around those slinging corners which was really cool to watch when he was coming back from that early, early i think this track just suits his driving style so so much so yeah 100 why we say that so the start of the main we saw like ricardo Berton, uh canas kind of take off a little bit if i remember correctly uh Ongaro as well. So they started Yeah, to... Ongaro Ongaro actually had an issue at the beginning. So I can't remember now where he crashed, but I, I think know he where he crashed. Up. He crashed up here on the uh so what happened in the before the first fuel stop, he actually crashed up on that slingshot turn. Yeah. And then he was actually on on the move, he crashed up there, and that allowed Kanas and Burton to kind of pull away. But yeah. it took so he crashed off the track, and I think actually Ronafog hit his car, and then yeah. so Ronafog crashed yeah. in that same spot, and then but Ongaro was able to claw his he <clears throat> so Ronafog got Marshall first, if I'm not mistaken, and went on his way. But Ongaro was able to claw his way back up and get into first position at this race, and then made another and they made more mistakes later on that dropped him back. Then he came back. To make it an exciting one, two, three finish at the end. Uh, when I talked to Joseph, the, he was just, I said, Well, who was the most impressive? Ongaro. He says, If it wasn't for yeah. that, there's two crashes and that's that mistakes, Ongaro would have won this, ra this race without an issue. He was, and how fast he was at the end of the race. Um, I will say this uh, it, it was another almost like a, a remember how Buggy Land was kind of at one point. This person looked like they were going to win. And at the next point, uh, this person was going to win. So at one point, Barton looked like he's got this in the bag. Then yeah. Kanas gets in the lead. He looks like he's going to have it, right? And then we're thinking Kanas is on one last pit stop because at the beginning he was, right? He was, yeah. and he was coming in slightly later than Barton. And I was like, well, if he stays on this pit strategy, he's going to win this because Barton's got to come in one more time. And then we saw him come in in the same lap as Berton later on in this race. And that just yeah, utterly think, confused me. Yeah, I don't know why. Basically, you know, in the beginning it was uh, that um, Berton was leading and then Kanas got by him at, uh, quite quickly, actually. And Kanas was leading for most part of the main, whereas Ongaro and Ronafalk and 
pretty much everyone else was fighting in the back of the pack due to those early mistakes. So you, you, it kind of looked like Kanas was running away with it. And uh, we even we were talking to Kiran over, over text. And, and I was like, oh, Kanas has a stop at hand because he came in, I think, almost a minute later. Um, I think minute or more later than Berton uh, for the first fuel stop, which in 60 minute mains, you don't need to have nine minute stops. You can go 8.30 or something, 8.40 something, I think. Um, so he, he, I think, I'm pretty sure he had a easily a stop at hand, but then second pit stop, he does, I think, even under 7.30. And he does like under seven minute stops for the rest of the race. Um, or like around seven minute stops for the rest of the race. And at the end, they come to the pit at the same time with Berton. So I'm, I was confused because I thought, you know, Canas had a stop at hand when uh, Berton uh, was really catching him because there was this point where we was like, oh, he's really catching him. They were right behind each other. And then we was both like, oh, but Canas has a stop at hand, but Actually, he didn't, and then those last 15 minutes, it was actually a real fight for the lead they was doing. And I think, you know, that fighting kind of caused... Because I think it was 20 minutes to go, and I told Keenan that, you know, Ongaro is 20 seconds back. Like, no way he's going to make this gap up. Then I started looking at his laps, and 10 minutes ago, I was like, he's clawed that gap into half. It's like, when they all came out from the last pit stop, Ongaro was... I think like three, four seconds back from the lead. And then he ended up being right there with all of them three uh, at the end. But it was, you know, I think it was an incredible way of how the race progressed because it looked like, okay, Canas got it in the bag. Berton clawed it back. Canas, for some reason, didn't have it to stop at hand. And then we thought it was going to be those two, but because those two was fighting, Ongaro was coming and he was coming in hot. So. I think for anyone who hasn't watched it, you should watch the last four or so minutes because it was crazy. Oh man, it was so impressive. I was like, I remember, I was like, no way. 20 yeah. seconds to make up. I was like, nah, Berton and Kanasko are battling it all to the end. Her. And yeah. I'm like, you're like, he's 10 seconds away. And I was like, no way is this guy going to do this. Yeah. And, I, and then, man, the finish that we have, I'm trying to find the finisher uh, as we come up. Where the last few minutes where they were coming through there, there is Canas and Berton. This was an epic battle too between these two. Yeah. So that's Berton yeah, I, and uh, no, that's uh that's Ongaro and uh Canas, sorry. Yeah, Ongaro. I think if Canas had made any type of mistake, um yes. and Ongaro would have gotten by, I think Ongaro would have really won it. Here he got by, but he made a mistake immediately where Kanas took mm-hmm. it back. And this is the point where I kind of realized that, okay, Ongar is going to have a really tough time. Because I think, you know, what you talked about, the buggy land thing, I think Ongaro, the reason why he's so good at these later parts of the main is the way he drives and he set up his car. He's not reliant on the car to have, you know, grip on all four corners. All he really relies on is that he can control the car. And because he's so freaking talented, he just needs to get into the rhythm and he can control the car, even though the rear end is really slippery because the car naturally has that corner speed. So all he has to do is to be able to control it and put it into these corners. And that's what I think he showed at the end. You know, he's able to, all of them, these three guys probably have 
uh, slick tires at this point. I feel Canas really dropped off the most towards the end of the main, whereas Verdon kind of seemed quite balanced. He was pretty much running the same speed throughout the main, whereas Canas, to me, it seemed he slowed down at the end. And I think Ongaro kind of really had... So close. Uh, yeah, that was the final, like, coming into the finish line. But I think Ongaro really had the final push in the end, which made him catch up to them. But I think, like, overall, I think Berton was probably the fastest in general. But the ultimate speed of Ongaro was just crazy. It was insane. Um, I mean, when I talked to JQ, he was just like, he's just so fast. And I think, we, so I regress to buggy land where we saw him do the same thing. So I, uh, Joseph said tires, uh, Kanasa's tires were gone, done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I said, think that was evident from looking mm -hmm. at him because he was uh, com like comfortably in the lead, but then at the end he dropped off quite a bit. Right. Uh, and I think that might be one of the reasons why he had to come in and pit, right? He was probably using so much more throttle, losing tires, pushing harder. Then he thought yeah. he had to do you see the finish. And I mean, it was very close. And congratulations to Ricardo Berton. But this man right here, <clears throat> I think what you say is correct. He's able, like, when the car is the most uncomfortable for others, that's when it's probably at its most comfortable for him, right? Yeah. At that yeah. very end, he probably does have some tires left, or he's just used, used to racing on the not best tires, having that loose, that, you know, it's just like what on like, it's a perfect storm, right? Everything for Angaro to to be fast, and yeah. he 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 was. I mean, I know Ricardo Berton won this race, and he should be getting all the accolades, which he should. But the immense pace of Angaro making those mistakes, coming back to win, it's coming back to lead, then coming back all the way up to third, we're almost getting into second. And like you said, had I felt the exact same way, had he was able to, if he, if he was able to get across Canas earlier and make it stick he would yeah. have definitely challenged uh Barton for the win um, yeah i think yeah that section where we saw ongaro mm -hmm. uh, cut to the inside of canas had he not overshot the next corner i think ongaro had a true true chance at winning this because i think i think berton was the most comfortable throughout the main he was he kept the same pace throughout the main and he did pretty well but that being said, I think at the beginning of the main, Canas was faster than him. And mm -hmm, at the end of mm -hmm. the main, Ongaro was faster than him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, had had Ongaro had a chance, there would have been a true fight where Ongaro could have pushed <clears throat> Ricardo into a mistake. Because, yeah, I think if we go into talking about the driving styles, Canas is kind of the most aggressive of these three. He's the guy who really punches the car. He drives a lot on power out of the corners. And that also is kind of like hinders him a little bit because he's one of those guys who chew through tires quite fast. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was the reason why he like kind of slowed down at the end uh, or if that was, you know, if that was the tires, whatever it was, he clearly slowed down at the end of the main. And I think, you know, like you said, he the tires were gone. Um, but Ongaro, like, like I said before, and you brought back, I think it's just the fact that the way he drives his car, the front end is really dull. So you will never at any point of the race have the front end catch you off guard. 
it will always push no matter how, you know, like you remember at Bogilam where it looked like his car was broken because he pushed so much. But that's kind of naturally how the car works. When the tires wear down, you know, you will have that when you go in the dust, it will push and for him it will be really extreme. But the way he drives is the rear end kind of makes all the turning, which gives you an immense amount of corner speed if you can control it. And I think tracks like this where you don't have the issue of going a little bit offline and getting onto the dust where the car pushes, you have a very wide grippy line. You can just shoot it into the corner, trust that the rear end will come around and then you just control it by himself. And we saw it like those link shot corners. That's where he used that's his, Yeah, but he, like you, you ain't going to beat him there. That, yeah. That's type of corners. All yeah. right, uh, moving on. Uh, coming out of this out of this 14, uh, 14 racer or 14 driver final, who impressed you? We have, let's go over our top five. So we have Ricardo Berton, Juan Carlos Canas, Davide Angaro, Bork Kilik. Good fourth place for Bork, I would say. Yeah. He'll, he would want a top three, but a good place for him. Uh, he was kind of in fourth all week long. That's where he finished. Elliot Boots, still a good top five. I I had Boots winning this, <laughs> uh, but I think uh, top hot race guy, top five, good finish for Boots, top five. But I I would have liked to see. He, I think he had. I I, I was expecting a win or a top three. Theo Lemire in six, great result for him. French drive. I think he drives a hot body, so hot bodies finished six. Remy Bermudez, another French driver, doing well. David Ronafalcon, eighth. We, we are, we're, I know he would not be happy with that. Not after, not after having a good practice, good, good qualifying, looking solid in his, the beginning of his uh, his main, but that accident, never able to overcome that accident that he had with, uh, you know, in Angara's car. And first big race on his vehicle. We have a whole hot potato subject about this. We're going to talk about it then. Uh, I, I got JQ's opinion on it, and it's a it's a good topic. But I would I, I know Viking. He's not happy about that at all. I would say Leonardo Valente, top WRC driver, WIRC driver competitors. I would have never put him there, but he beats out uh, Marco Barufalo. Johnny Skidmore, tenth. Johnny Skidmore could have been top five. If he didn't flame out, I think he had a flame out or something. I think, and I, yeah, I think I think Johnny had more potential than his final results showed. Yeah, but he's kind of um, an unknown because he's kind of one of those guys who always makes it to the main, but he hasn't had those flashy performances like you know Theo Lemaire has had. Or no, he was a flame Kate. out of it. No, hold on. Doesn't Remy Bermudez or Theo Lemaire drive X-ray? Uh, Remy drives extra. Okay, I'm just so, checking. Uh, I think the, I'm pretty sure Theo is HP. Yes, yes. So Johnny Skidmore, I think, had a top five run in him, except for that that flame out. So he he would have been a top extra guy there. Jao Figueredo, I think he he making the having to come from the quarters first time out on his new ride the T, the techno. So first time for him, first big race for David on the techno. Polito would not be happy with a twelfth. He should be doing better, I think. Um, yeah, but I believe he five or top three. Yeah, Polito was pretty quiet all weekend long. He mm -hmm. was, he was one of those guys who was, let's say, like three tenths off the lead consistently, but he kept finishing like seventh every round. Mm -hmm. So he was one of those guys who I think if he had a clean run, he'd be there um, in front of Valente, like fighting with the runner uh, yeah. at the end. 
But yeah, Buffalo, yeah, nothing quiet. Yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, Matia was quiet, but he has much more potential than his results. Barufalo yeah. probably wouldn't be happy with a 13th. I think Thomas Musso, even though he finished last, <clears throat> it's still a, a great... I think making that final with that new car is excellent for him. Uh, in our yeah. in our semifinals that didn't make, Ryan Majube, I think that's a good performance for him. Winning, like he finished his 15th overall. I don't, I didn't have him in my main. Adrian Parente, 16th. Robert would not be happy finishing 17th. Uh, and Daniel yeah, Parente. Yeah. yeah. Well, Robert's got a lot on his brain. He's about to have his baby too. So, I think he had it already. Did he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, I don't think he's had this baby yet. I'll message him after this. But I, at the same time, <clears throat> I think not... Mm-mm. The Parente brothers just signed that new deal with Techno. One of them would have wanted to be in this A final. Uh, he yeah. one of them was very close. Zankatine in 19th, Tony Robin in 10th. I mean, that's I expect those guys to be. I think Barkan Kalik, probably the biggest disappointment. He 28th, not his weekend, even though he did break, he broke something <clears throat> in his uh, in his quarter semi, I think, uh, quarter, quarter. I'm not sure, but not not the position that Barkan wants to be in. But, but to be fair, Borak has been raised. So, what I think what's happened with Barkan and Borak is that. Barkan's in his last year of school. Borak has finished his apprenticeship now for what he was doing full-time, so he's able to dedicate a lot more time to RC, which you talked about last week after EOS dawn. So I think Robert Batty and Barkan, the big disappointments, and probably a parente, but everybody everybody else in this, I think, yeah, it was a good final, man. Like the two surprises being, three surprises being Musso, not so much Lemire because he's done pretty good, and Bermudez's name pops up every now and then. But a good final, it was exciting. I think you guys can watch it. RC Mag or RC Special? RC Special is in English. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. One thing to mention is uh, Theo Lemire. So he finished third at the one man race in both e buggy and nitro buggy uh, at Padova. I think it was a month back. Now a sixth at Montpellier. He was starting eighth in the main, so, you know, got through quite uh, easily. I think he's a French driver to look out for in in the in this year. Because he's, he's been there. He's made the Montpellier GP main before, but he hasn't kind of broken through, you know, yet. Um, okay. But I think this this type of two... Really solid results in a row. I think he could be there. He could really okay. be, you know, one of one of the competitors this year. Okay, I, 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 I see why. I see why. For, yeah. You know, and the same, French have earned with, big RC. Like each of these countries have the earned big RC scene. Yeah. Right. So, and uh, same same thing with actually Remy uh, Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was going to touch on this on the hot race hot topic. Let's talk about this. So I asked Joseph. What was his thoughts on on Ramaphal? And he said, "This is with his words." He said, "I believe that the time where Ramaphal used to show up to a race and be competitive right off the bat, it's not that easy no more. He's gonna have to put in more work." And what he means by that is, like, <clears throat> there was a time when Ramaphal was able, and a lot of these drivers were able to come to be immediately on pace right away. And I think with, I mean, you look at Juan Carlos Canas, Ongaro. Barton, they're racing a lot. You know, they're down there in the mm-hmm. South Europe. They can race. They got the weather to race. 
eight skill. So the focus and the hoon and the craft. Ongaro's racing in Italy. What JC3 is racing in Spain. Berton's racing in, in Italy as well. Ronda Fox has been racing, but he's been doing three different classes. First time on a new chassis. But I would beg, I would, I would have to agree with Joseph, and not just for Rana Falk, but for all these racers who have been at the top for a long time. Uh, and then that top echelons, these these younger racers, slightly younger, are dedicating more time to honing their craft, sharpening their their RC knives, as you would say. Yeah. And they you're gonna have to put in the same amount of work to be competitive with them at this time. And I think that that was what he said he felt with Rana Falk. He needs to put in the they work to more work to beat these guys now. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think I don't think it's as um as um exact for the American scene, although that is still a thing. There's a lot well, those of those guys like, are racing so much, right? Yeah. They're yeah, racing think, every weekend almost. Yeah. I think the difference in American scene is that when you go to races, it's not like you need to hone in everything and, you know, like you have rounds of practice, you have three rounds of qualifiers and that's pretty much it until you go for the main. And the thing is, every time the tra- you go to a track that's brand new, you don't know how the dirt will behave and, and so on. So it's kind of like a very fair playing ground for you. So I think in America, it's kind of like as long as you have confidence and you have talent, you're pretty much good to go. You don't really need to hone in your equipment, have the best tires, you know, the full package, as we say. And I think, you know, that that shows uh, in the success of someone like Ongaro and Canas currently, because what they do is exactly what you said. They hone in their craft, they they test tires, they test setups, and they know what to do in each condition where they go to. They have a really, you know, they take basically the equipment to the highest level. You know, they take it as far as they can to make it as fast, fast as possible. And, you know, the longer races and so on, that allows them to do so. And they, they work in a much finer edge of performance. And I think that's kind of the thing also what's hurting people like, you know, Ronafok, because he can't do that right now. He lives in Sweden. He can't mm-hmm. practice his age scale. He doesn't know exactly what each change on the car does. Whereas Canas and Ongaro, they can do that. They can be like, hey, I know what to do now. And to be fair, this isn't this isn't a track that he this isn't the type of surface that he likes. He's excels at I, I'm you know, so lots of things. But I do agree, more work is gonna be needed. Um before we well, say segue- and, and, and like you said, it's not just about him, it's about everyone. I think yes, yes. Robert is Robert is another example of it. I think, you know, he's the <laughs> I don't know. He's not gonna like when I say this, but he's an old man. Like he's he's grown, and he has a lot of other things in life. He has family. Uh, he has the responsibilities. He has a job. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. working with Mayako. Yep, yep. So More because back in the day, yeah, back in the day, he was just so good that he could come to a race and drive like and be fast. But these days, like especially in Europe, the you know, edge of competition with these young guys that are local, they know the track, know the conditions. Like, it's it's difficult. It's very, very difficult. Yeah, uh, I heard Ty Tessman say the same thing on the EK in his interview with EKJ24000. Yeah. All right, uh, before we segue into uh, the next race up, 
Uh, I just want to say congratulations to Ricardo Breton. Great victory for him. Biggest victory since he won the, uh, I would say since he won the 2019 European Championships with the Kyosho. Biggest thing he's done for Infinity as well. I know they're super happy. The they say that the Infinity car will be out next month in hobby shops. What do oh, you really? think? About, yeah, that's what they were saying on the. That's what Costas was saying on the, on okay. the on the live. What are your thoughts on this win for Ricardo, Infinity, Ogo? Uh, what do, what can we do? You think does does he carry on this momentum and continue forward? I'm pretty sure he's going to DNC. Not sure how that's going to factor um, up for him, but let let's we'll see. I think for Berton, he's probably at the best shape he's been ever in his RC career. Okay. Because That's fair let's, be, let's be honest, the 2019 win, before and after that, he hasn't really won big anywhere, except for in mm-hmm. Italy, obviously. But outside of Italy, he hasn't really won that big e- e- ever. And the Euros victory was... It was kind of like the best. It was, it was interesting. Form. It was a great race. Yeah, but I think, you know, Ronifog and uh, Ongaro, they kind of went with dry weather tires, whereas with Berton, he went with slide locks. So those were a tire that worked both on dry and on wet conditions. Okay. So that's why he was also really competitive in the wet. In the dry, he was clearly slower than both Ronifog and Ongaro. On, Ongaro... Well, right, away with it. well, right That's now fine. you have him in a better peak driving condition than he was in 2019. At this oh, point. 100%. Oh, 100%. Okay. Because I think, I think now, purely with this, this performance, he's able to fight for you know, a European championship. Okay. I think, so, yeah. hopefully he'll be at IBC, uh, which will be the I next big be, race. Yeah. Uh, which will be the next big race, similar type of track. More jumps, I would say... Uh, more high traction glue track. I look forward to seeing seeing him there. What about Infinity Ogio Ogo, Ogo? Newcomers on the new two new brands coming out. It's finally that the Infinity car is coming out here soon. We see this new tire brand as well, who's also making waves in the southeast. Your thoughts on this, and then we'll wrap this up. Yeah, so I think with Berton, kind of the issue was before that when he moved away from Kyosho to Infinity, the car was not even close to being finished. Uh, they were still working out a lot of the things. And I think, you know, looking at the early videos and looking at writing at the track, uh, like at the Euros and such, it's always looked very aggressive, the car, and not that well balanced. But I think now he has the balance he kind of needs. And I think, I don't know if they've changed a lot of stuff, but I think the, his driving style, his driving is good. I think the car is like finally at a more balanced state. And I think that's why they're ready to release it now. I think, I think it's, it can be a very, you know, um, What's the word? It it can be taken seriously. I think Infinity right okay. now. Okay. But yeah, Ogo, it's really hard to say at this point. It, it really is because fair enough. He's fair been enough. fast at two races now. Both have been really cold. They'll be running, as far as I know, clay compound, which, as I said before, you know, it's a kind of a uh, off off compound because like that's a very rare uh, situation where you run it, and it's kind of like. 
uh, like up to up to no one to, to know if it's gonna actually work or not. The real test is gonna be something like IBC, uh, something like Euros this year in Sochile. If it, especially if it's gonna be dry, mm-hmm. I think it's gonna be really rough on some tires. And I don't know if Ogo really have what it takes yet on those conditions. We shall see. We yeah. shall see. All right. Um, once again, congratulations, Ricardo Breton. Well done. Yeah. Great. Great. Thank you to uh, him, JC3, and Angaro for putting on a show for us. And hopefully next year we'll either be there in person or we'll get very good live coverage. It was an excellent yeah. event. Kicks off the European event. I guess we. I guess we can. It's gonna be hard to get a bunch of races together to put some series together. But okay, one thing I want to say before we continue about I, am I gonna have to actually plunge you? No, no, it's gonna be a quick one. But I think you know Infinity as of now kind of looks like uh, what X-Ray tried to do uh, with the XB9, but they've actually done it and made it somewhat work. Because X-Ray kind of went with XB9, then like reverted back to, you know, what effectively- You mean with the front end? Yeah, with the front end. And also like the whole car in general, because they kind of went the route of Mugen, you know? Like they tried the XB9 and they couldn't make it work properly. Even though I think, I think they really should have kept with that. I think it had uh, promise, but then they went back to, you know, the Mugen style. Associated has gone away with from that. I still think Ongaro is the only one making it work, whereas the Americans haven't really had that good of results, except for in very specific conditions in the West Coast. Rivkin has been good, like the he, the win he had over Mayfield. And then Mugen, obviously, is Mugen. <laughs> but I think and, and S-Works has to done their own thing successfully. But I think Infinity brings in some new aspects. But it, at the end of the day, I still think it's it, it has the risk of being just another um, just another pivotal core. But I think when they finally release it, we can take a deep dive into it. Uh, there you go. More, but... I'm just looking at some of the pictures from RC Special. And uh, I once again, I want to say thank you to RC Special and RC Mag for their for their coverage. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have saw, so. And and sorry, Circus RC as well as Nemo. Because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have seen anything. To be honest, we're looking at the Infinity, and um, well done, pretty Ricky Barton. I know R two is happy about that. I'm happy for them. Uh, and this is a great segue uh, into our next topic because Joseph and I did talk about this. With what we just talked about, Ronafalk, DNC coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, late, sorry, next month. Sorry. So I'll say about three weeks from now, three and a yeah, half weeks from weeks, now. Yeah, three weeks from now. I still have Ronafalk as being able to go to this race and, and win. Yeah, I agree. I think, granted, what Joseph said, I agree. But DNC is kind of one of those races that you just have to kind of trust your gut and go balls to the wall. Well, he knows what it takes to win this race too. He's done yeah. it twice. It's, it's multiple times. The, the only asterisk uh, I have on David now is the the car because I don't really think X-Ray has ever suited this this type of tracks. We saw with Tessman. He, he was competitive last year, yes, but that was a very small very different type of dnc but the og type dnc i don't i can't remember i don't think testman has made it to the main at dnc 
And I think the style of X-ray where it's yeah, he did. He he fire. made he he did. He TQ'd the first TQ'd the first uh, Nitro buggy 20, 2017. Then he switched over to X-ray. No, no, no. But I mean, like uh, in the past few years, like since Thunder Rally, I think Thunder Rally he didn't make the main. Um, some other. I, I don't know. I just know that I'm excited to see the next iteration. Yeah, there'll be some Europeans there, but the next iteration for the Americans as well. Uh, and I still think that Ronald Falcon is going to be a force to reckon with. I think rate. so. Yeah. yeah Out I of all the so. Europeans that are going. Now, I also gonna I'm also gonna throw in JC3 because yeah. of the tires. Yeah. Uh, so it's gonna be very interesting. I look forward. We're gonna start hyping up. DNC as we get closer to that and going on. Uh, but we do have another big upcoming race this weekend coming. Motorama. I saw Scotty made the trip, man. Scotty's on a mission. He was in New Zealand. No, he was in Europe. Back home, New Zealand. Back home. Now is that another race? Motorama. All electric race going on this coming weekend. <clears throat> this is a big race. This sold out immediately. We got a lot of top names going. This is also uh, in a facility that is like it has all these other different uh, type of motorcycle racing and all this type of stuff going on as well. Toby Hampson is doing the coverage for it. 46 RC is all excited about it. He's got some new equipment. So we probably have like moving cameras and all this stuff. Only electric because that pays the bills, but it's going to be a good race to watch. I look forward to watching that this weekend as well. We'll be, I'll be posting all the links to the Facebook page and we'll probably talk about that a little bit, but uh, yeah, man. We watched Montpellier. Thank you, Max, for all your hard work as well. And your post, you was geeking right out. He was like, I've, yeah, people thought is, you was there. Yeah, it, it's pretty crazy. But I think I was asking a lot of stuff from Joseph and he sent me a few pictures, which I posted, which probably people probably thought that. But mm-hmm. I've always loved this event. I followed it a lot. You know, this is the only, you know, eight scale event where I can't really race myself. So this is like my time to fully geek out watching it. So I think that's why this event has been so like so big on my you know following list. I I've always wanted to go, but I, it's kind of been unrealistic always. But yeah, okay. I like doing that stuff. All right. Well, hopefully we're gonna send you to the Euros in July to do some coverage there. All right. Let's move on to our hot race, hot potato section. All right, Max, it is time for our Hot Race Tires, Hot Potato segment of the podcast. We would love to thank uh, Hot Race for becoming one of our premier sponsors of the podcast. Hot Race are available throughout Europe as well as the United States. And uh, just go, uh, I have links for all of that in the written description. Thank you, Nicola, for all your support. Uh, We're going to have Nicola on to talk about a lot of things here shortly as well. And uh, on the Hot Potato, Hot Potato, Hot Potato, Hot Take seat this weekend is. The top 25 RC rankings. This usually causes quite a kerfuffle in RC. Did it make such a kerfuffle this year? Uh, yeah, always, it's always good for comments. Always good for comments. So here we have, you know, like Europeans will be happy about this. Davide Angari back on top again. Uh, takes over that top spot by six tenths of a point over Dakota Fend. Followed by Ryan Mayfield. Well, JC3 doesn't move anywhere. Elliot boots the big mover and shaker up by three spots up to fifth. David Ronafog, the big loser, going on three spots 
from fifth to eighth. So basically, Elliot Boots and Rana Falk switched positions. Burak Kilik up two spots. Ricardo Berton, the win of the Montpellier GP, up one spot. And uh, Joe Bornhorst and Ty Tasman moved on a spot. So top 25 rankings, man. The world champion, current world champion, is on top. Not, so let's let's look at this. Davide Angar, Dakota Fan, Mayfield, Kanas, Elliot Boots, Mason Fuller, Rivkin, Rana Falk, Bertin Kilik. Is that, is that a viable top 10, realistically? Um, in the world, I if think, you I think that top 10 looks quite good, to be honest. Like, I'll be think, honest with you. I would probably have Fuller in my top five and not Elliot Boots. Yeah, I think Boots I probably is, would have Fuller in the top three or top four. No, but like if we look at let's look at this like top three, like, top four. That's like I think that's top that's four true. of the world. Yes, I like, would say that. No doubt that's top four in the world. If we went to Brazil tomorrow and you said those four and the top four, I'd say Ongaro is the likely number one. And then it would be I'd put Canas over Mayfield at the moment, but probably really? not over Fend, to be honest. I think really? Fend is still the strongest. Really? You have Canas over Mayfield? Well, considering like uh because if we look at just buggy results again. If you think Mayfield. like he he got beaten by Ribkin a few weeks back, SIC finished what fourth. Mm. If you look at Nitro Buggy, AMS the next time that the last time that Fan Mayfield and Canas were together, he did win that. He that was in November. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think still, if we look at like long term results, I think Fan has looked stronger than Mayfield, and I think Canas has looked very very close to Ongaro. But I'd still no. put Ongaro ahead of Canas uh, and Dakota. But I don't know if I could put Canas ahead of Dakota. Well, I'm putting Canas ahead because he's he's made the trip over to America in the last two years. Yeah, and he's good. I, I, I don't know if the V Day is going to DNC. Yeah. I hope he does. The, I think the one two is correct on this list. Like from looking at purely results, the three and four, I think they could be flipped. They could be like that. I'm fine with both. All right. I think boots. Boots is not in my top ten of the world at mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. I think I think Boots is like I think he's top five Europe. I think he's top mm-hmm. five Europe, but right at the edge. I think he should be behind Burakilic, behind Berton, and behind Vonapok. I think who would you put in his place as top ten? Brandon Rose, maybe. Or does he need more of a more? I don't think I don't think Rose is there yet. I would actually. I think, not lots either. I think it would be kind of bump in uh, someone from. Let's see who we have. I think. Yeah, it's Mm. difficult. I think Coelho is kind of a sleeper because if it was, I mean, doesn't raise enough eight scale. Yeah, I think Coelho is like, if it was the world, he'd be up there. But because it isn't, it's like he's not racing enough. So, to be honest, I think Boots would be probably like 10th on the list. Okay. Like you just kind of move him to 10th and then move everyone up one. I think Ronafog should be... In the top 10 still? I think Ronafog is right now, he should be like 7th if we move Boots down. I don't know if Rivkin is really that high up. 
But I would then, replace. I would put Ronafalk where I would put Ronafalk where Mason Fuller has moved Fuller up to fifth and put Rivkin down to eighth. Personally, yeah, I think I think that would be your like if we went to Brazil tomorrow. I think you'd have you know Butch in the main at tenth, and then you'd have like Kilic uh, and Berton there, and then Ronafalk and uh, Fuller. I think that that's quite realistic. If you check it though, the top four kind of mirror each other. So Davide Angaro, probably number one driver in Europe, can go anywhere and probably win. Dakota Fenn, I would say probably number one driver in Europe. Sorry, in the USA, yeah. can win anywhere. But then they have very close. Like you cannot like Ryan Mayfield is also arguably. Probably one of the number one, if it very, if like could be number one or is number one in somebody's eyes, many people's eyes, driver in America that could win anywhere because that's still a fact he can win anywhere. And I have to say that Juan Carlos Canas is that same level, even though he's the European champion and he he did beat uh, Angaro twice this, last year. I feel that anywhere that Dakota Fan and Mayfield go in America, they're going to battle each other out for the win. And I feel that Angaro and Canas are in that same boat just over in Europe. Uh, oh, and then I, really I would can. say the outliers of that, it's very similar. The outliers are that is you throwing an Elliot Boots, who's looked very fast and in the mix lately. And then a Mason Fuller, who's always is always trying to always in the top three, top five position. So very mirrored results, just two different continents, in my opinion. Top25RC.com or top25RC on Facebook, if you guys want to have a look at it. Uh, do you agree? What do you guys think about the rankings? Uh, we always like to hear comments about the rankings. Go ahead. Comment in the YouTube feed. Let us know what you think. All right. Up next is the hot and cold segment. And you don't have any cold after a cold yeah. Montpellier race. Yeah, you I just think, have hot. Yeah, I think only only thing that's cold is what's the race. Everything else has been pretty hot recently. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Barton and Ogio are your two hot choices. This yeah, weekend. I think like like I said before, you know, TQ at uh, one man race in Padova, um, really strong result there, and then in qualifying, obviously had issues in the main. Then now fastest in practice, close to being fastest in qualifying, and then quite a solid win, I think. He's not. He's never been one of those explosive guys, like explosively fast. He's one of those guys who drives like he's driving a touring car. It looks like he drives. He uses the whole of the track, drives very you know mellow lines. In some sense, it reminds me of like a Cavalieri driving style, but does it really effectively? It does it really well, and I think he can be a real. Real challenge for these guys, like a new top guy, like Canas was like on the edge. I think Berton is right there now. Like he can tip over that and, you know, make it there. Time will tell. Just like Rose, it takes more than one win, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the good, exciting thing about this start of this year, I want to add that I would say that the eight scale season is hot right now because we've I had two so. big, we've yeah. had two big races. We've had seen the big race on the American side with SIC where we saw a different winner, or completely different. We knew he was, we was hoping he's going to win someday with Brandon Rose. And he did. Then we see Ricardo Berton, who's also had potential to win and do well at these races, go out there and win. So I would say that the eight scale racing scene worldwide, and then of course, 
You had the Asian Buggy Championships that was going over in your uh, over in that area, which was very uh, well put together as well. Eight scale racing is hot right now. I'm going to give it that. That is definitely the yeah. hot ticket right now. And with an eight scale worlds coming up in Brazil here in uh, September, I cannot wait. Eight scale offer it right now is hot. Period. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that, but I'd also say racing is hot right now, like off-road yep. racing. Like, yep. this is scale. We, we just had a podcast about EOS, and then we had the Clash. We had J-Concept INS. I mm-hmm. think, you know, racing in general uh, in off-road is looking really good at the moment. We have a lot of new upcoming talent. Mm-hmm. We have pros that have established themselves as pros that drive at the level of a pro. We have new buggies coming onto the market. Um, we have, you know, old brands coming out with new buggies, the V7. I think, you know, I think the RC racing scene is doing quite well right mm-hmm. now. I think I would give it a like, thumbs up. Yeah. I would give it two, but I can't. And I think, like, if we look at SIC, the live live feed, live stream, if we look at um, uh, Asian Bucket Championships, the social media coverage, and to be honest, I think, granted, the Montpellier, we, we have our issues with the coverage. I think still, like, the presence it had on social media was quite noticeable. People mm-hmm. were excited about it. People were following it. Absolutely. I think it, it has been, like, racing in general has been looking good. Absolutely. I would agree. Lots of new stuff. Lots of, lots of hype. Lots of buzz. But that's yeah. what we want. You know? Uh, I was excited. I wanted to record this on Monday, but we kind of, I was, I was thinking about trying to get Ricky in here. I was like, what's well, Valentine's Day? Everybody's going to be doing their own thing. But I would say racing is very hot right now. I don't really have any cool comments. Maybe it's going to be cold weather-wise at Motoroma this past weekend, but I think it's going to be a very hot race. I look forward to seeing the track designs. Probably Thursday should, we're recording this or probably doing this. I want to say good luck to Toby Hampson. I hope he, uh, he puts on a good show where we get to watch it. Scotty will be calling the race. And then Man, I think what's coming up, man, DNC is going to be hot. We're going to have to watch that. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. All right, Max, I think that's it for us this week. A quick one, only two hours and two and a half hours, roughly. Pretty quick quick for us. So we greatly appreciate everybody's support. We do have some other podcasts coming out as well. I know we have questions to do. We're going to do them with some of our interviews that we're doing as well. So keep those questions coming for us. Uh, keep uh, keep commenting in the YouTube feed, man. That makes a big difference. It helps with the algorithms. Max, I, I'm I'm surprised you haven't gotten any YouTube yet in the comments because I don't get too much involved in the comments. I'm surprised you haven't been in there yet. You, it's like it's uncharted territory for you. Like it's like going out in the ocean and looking at, ooh, look at all these people I can talk to. You gotta, you know, people do comment on there, and uh, you should respond sometimes. You have. Oh, do you yeah. have yeah, yeah. access as Max Mort? Uh, we're on the hunt to 5,000 subs. We aren't too far away. Uh, I'll let you know at this moment right now, we are currently at, let me go to my YouTube studio app, 4,826 followers, subs on, on YouTube. So please go over, do us a favor, hit that like, sub, notification button, leave a comment. Share if possible. It's free. Uh, also on Instagram, go over there and hit the follow for the No Name RC Pod- NRC Podcast on Instagram and follow us on TikTok. We're trying to grow those. They're both on both, all three of those, all three of those different uh, social media platforms on Milestones. Also, 
Uh, I'd like to get up to 10K followers or, uh, on our Facebook. We're close as well. So all four of our like main... 9.5K or something. Yeah. All of our, yeah. Four, our four main social media outlets are very close to some big milestones for us personally. And of course, we couldn't have done that with all the support from you guys out there, the NNRC squad. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for all the continued support. Thank you to the patrons and YouTube members of the NNRC. If you wish to support us a little bit more financially, you can. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. Uh, thank you to these awesome companies that support us. They are Invisible Speed. Don't worry, people. Your books are coming. I'm, I'm helping out doing the, uh, you know, helping out people that are messaging the Invisible Speed Facebook. I'm answering their questions. I know some people don't have tracking. Trust me, your book will show up. That's just sometimes how it happens. Uh, Invisible Speed. Don't forget the online course. Affiliate link for that. Book is shipping. High Tech RC. Corsa Tech USA. We do get some course tech products. Let them know you heard about it on the No Name RC podcast. Sidewinder Fuel, Mayako, who just uh, looks like the new e-buggy is in the USA. I should talk to JQ about getting one, paying some bills. Beach RC, we have an affiliate link for that. We'll be at, I'll be at Beach RC for the Nationals in April. Techno RC, thank you for all their support. Clinic RC, Stacked RC for all your 10-scale stock needs. Racecraft USA, RC Box Club. Call RC, got me some other butter down there. Elite RC Productions, congratulations. This guy's will be doing the FRCC series, Soon, which is the Florida RC Championships. Round two coming up at uh, Sundancers next weekend. RC Body Armor, the check out my boy Gene Stout Jr. for SJ Racing Builds. House of RC, RCGP. Shout out to our drivers David Ronafalk, Robert Battier, Alexander Hagberg, Maddie G, Peko, and Peko Ivanen, and Yuna Hotnin, and you know. We ain't confirmed this yet, but we might have a Mason and Caden Fuller involved. We'll see. But we want to thank everybody for their support. Thank you, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this relatively short podcast between Max and I. As he's looking ever so hungover, go grab yourself a beer, man, and go relax and get ready. we got to answer some questions later on this week. Thank you for your time, Max. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. It was actually thank good. You. didn't go on like for four hours. I think yeah. it was good. Yeah. yeah. Also, good job once again on your... Uh, Facebook reporting this past week. This past week, if I want. Yeah, I kind of like. I kind of like it because, like, you do. I feel Very good. in my in my mind, I feel like a journalist at times. Obviously, you are. obviously, someone called us the TMZ of RC, but I want to be, you know, like, uh, I want to be like um, doing expose shit, but like, obviously, you know, not like TMZ. So Absolutely. I feel I want to be like Neo Buggy of the twenty twenty century. I'm I'm all for that. I love Neo Buggy. Thank you for your time. Thank you, everybody. We greatly appreciate all the support. You guys have a great weekend of racing. Good luck to everybody at Motorama. And uh, if you want to watch, follow the action at Motorama. Look for the links on the NNRC podcast. We'll have them all there. And don't forget to hit that like, sub, notification button on those channels as well. Help RC grow. Check out EKJ24000 as well for the RC, pod, RC podcast launch. That's some great interviews. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. Max, you know what? We need to do a live together. It's been a while. We need to do a live show. Together. Yeah, I don't know. Need, yeah. Probably going to have to be like a Saturday that we do it. And people yeah. are home. Yeah. Hmm. All right, Maxi, you have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody. Nitrous to glory. E-Buggy pays the bills. Max and Lefty, we're out. <laughs>